All right, we are live. Welcome, everybody, to the great season one debate and another episode of the Group Hub podcast. I got another awesome lineup for you guys, and we got a lot to discuss because it's been a whole season. Blink and it's gone. And season one of Overwatch 2 is about to conclude very, very soon. We're about to head into season two with Ramatra. So let me, without further ado, address my guests. In the bottom right, like I said, Mr. Mr. Music Man is Car Q. Just some humble signs. Am I supposed to say something? Hello, it's me, Darky. <laughs> yeah, yeah. it. Uh, hello, we'll do. Hello, we'll do. In the budget, we know your mic's working, right? Custa in the bottom left, already fresh off his one point rank gauntlet. <laughs> Didn't come last. Love to see did, it. Did not. And losing her near top spot from the rank gauntlet is in her debut for the podcast, Deku, top left. Hi, everyone. I miss Havana. That is all. I will not accept criticism, says Deku, despite you her awful taste. Uh, she says she misses Havana and Hanamura, bro. Oh, oh, Cuban and Widowman. Okay, I see. I see. Yeah, yeah. It checks it out. Up. Yeah. The only p potential acceptable outcome. Okay, okay. <laughs> well, map pools is something we'll get to, I'm sure, at some point. But it has been a long season, guys. Or certainly felt that way. It has been a long, longer wait, though. So, reflecting generally, first and foremost, let's get your general feelings on how season one has gone so give me like a couple sentence summary of overwatch 2 season one starting with car overwatch 2 season one wow um for me i think gameplay breath of fresh air was a lot of fun and if they keep up this nine week cycle where we get a new hero new map i'm all for it I've survived a year or we've all survived like a year a year plus of nothing new so nine weeks is very refreshing in a couple of days we get to play a brand new hero and a brand new map that works for me i actually saw a uh, a video on my recommended feed from someone who's like what overwatch season two was or overwatch two season one was like for a bronze player and like the general take was like it's actually just a blast if you look past all the stuff that doesn't actually affect gameplay like skin skins and monetization should not and does not affect you know the core gameplay the core fundamentals of 5v5 are good the balancing stuff we can talk about in a little bit matchmaking we can also talk about but like the 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 constituents or the base substance or base building block is there so we just got to keep iterating and building upon it so that's my take on season one good start could be better but pretty good start Mm, very, you know, intel intellectual take as I would expect from your car. Key, very balanced take. Now, Custa, uh -huh. show me, give me some hot takes, dude. Give me some some absolute garbage. Come on. Um, <laughs> I I agree with everything. Of like, the, it started really good. Like the five v five changes, the game felt fun. Even if there was like some pain points for like supports, it still has been a fun season. But I actually went away for uh, like, you know, I had the playoffs, then I went to Australia, and then I got COVID, so I actually didn't play for like a month and then i came back and people are playing double roadhog people are still just like damage boosting sojourns and ranked <laughs> right now is just hot ass at the highest rank um so it's kind of gone to like a really bad spot at the highest level um but i i agree that like fundamentally overwatch 2 is in a better spot than it's ever been uh well at least over the last three years of the dark ages so i i think it's positive i'm hoping season two like mixes things up and sort of tells people that hey yeah even if you don't like this season or a meta gets bad just wait a couple of weeks we'll get to the next season and then hopefully something new will be in here that shakes everything up and hopefully they keep balancing in a strong way and hopefully they hit sojourn into the ground 
Well, we'll find out. And uh, speaking of Sojourn and Hitscan players, is Deku. Deku, how have you felt? So, I actually had a lot of fun because, you know, all this new content and grinding the battle pass for me was super fun. I just played it ranked all day and didn't have a problem with it, even though the matchmaking was a little weird at times. But I had a lot of fun with it up until, like, once you beat the battle pass, it starts kind of, like, the dying down and getting more, like, of the same over and over again. But, like, playing with friends has just made it better. And I think if it keeps going like this, I think the game will have a lot of success. So you felt like the battle pass was giving you a reason to play, like yeah. an external reason to play. Because, like, comp itself doesn't feel as grindy as it used to. Like, I don't feel like I'm going anywhere with it because, like, you, you don't see ranked, like, displayed anywhere when you play. And most almost everyone has a private profile these days. So it's like... I don't know what I'm grinding for, really, besides, like, the battle pass. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And just to give context, so you're currently GM, is that correct? Just for anyone yeah, who's GM listening who's, who's not uh, familiar and with your rank. And I kind of just, like, stopped playing towards the end of the season, obviously, because end-of-season games get really bad, but mm -hmm. also because it's just, at the highest rank, it's just Sojourn. Sojourn, Sojourn, and I don't play Sojourn, and I don't want to play Sojourn, so it's like really tough but like i'll play on like my master's alt account and have a blast like duo with a friend or whatever and it's not that bad fair i mean for me personally it, it's been a very interesting experience actually because i've i don't think i've ever had so many like opinion swings and emotional roller coasters of, as i've <laughs> had with overwatch as or just anything as i've had with overwatch 2 because i think like two months ago when you know Overwatch was releasing up to release or gearing up to release I was very, very optimistic, incredibly optimistic. I was like, okay, I, I, I'm confident this game is going to be amazing. I think like everything they've said is sounding really great and really cool. And the longer the season has gone on, the more I feel that that's kind of chipped away a little bit by little bit. Um, a lot of decisions that I'm that are worrying me, not just in the short term, but like in the philosophy and the approach in the long term. I do want to try and keep some balance to that and say, okay, well, you know, it was season one. It is early access, so that is something to remember that this is not the this isn't even the final PvP version. This is like the rushed. Let's get it out in the players' hands quickly as possible. There's going to be lots of new content, lots of stuff coming, and of course, the big draw of Overwatch 2, the PVE, has not even begun. All that being said, I've probably like. I've come close to like just not wanting to play Overwatch anymore a couple times this season where I've just been like this feels miserable. I don't like I, I don't like how I feel. Like I start every session being like I'm really motivated to play. I really want to grind. I really want to get good at this game. And then at the end I'm just like yeah, I don't I don't want to touch this game anymore. So I I felt like and I I don't usually play like that. Like it was never like that for me in Overwatch 1. Like even in Double Shield and all the misery I was I never ended a session being like I think I might uninstall this game, but uh, it's felt like that for me. Go ahead, Deku. I don't know if it's just me or like if anyone else agrees with this, but like I feel like this game is really more of a coin flip for like matchmaking because like I will go on like a six loss streak and then a six win streak like every day repeatedly. So it's not that's like how I've, that's that was pretty similar to my experience in Overwatch one. Anyways, I think you do ride Same, like streaks. Yeah. Yeah, I actually you know what I did. I just stopped looking at people's profile. It just wasn't healthy. 
Because like, yes, I one time I'd look and I'm like, oh my god, there's like a diamond on my team, and it just like it even it impacted me because I'm like, oh, I'm GM two, GM one. Why is this? Di- I don't want to think that way because in my eyes, everything's winnable. I, I just thought I know matchmaking is shit, and I agree with you. Like it is very coin flippy, but. I've I've stopped looking over the past like month and it just made it way easier and like less stressful. Yeah, that that's I, I've gotten the same way of like I just don't look at anyone's profiles and you just like accept that like sometimes the yeah. game's just gonna like choose that you're gonna lose this game and like it's like frustrating. I had one of those uh, those days yesterday where it's like you're just losing games and you're like this is like unwinnable and then you get into the next game you're like well this is unwinnable and then you get in the next game you're like this is unwinnable and it just sort of like keeps compounding and it's fine to do that but as you said svb you go from yeah i would love to play overwatch this sounds like such a fun experience let's have fun stream and then you get to the end of that stream you're like fuck this i'm out i'm not doing this anymore i'm cutting this like two hours short of what i planned on doing and stuff like that just because it like it really grinds you down and the matchmaking is the big culprit, I think, of Overwatch 2 in this season because it's got some wild-ass swings. And obviously, they're trying to mix things up. They wanted to sort of rebalance people's SRs, but it's had some pretty negative experiences. Uh, I'm not sure if across all ranks, but definitely at the top ranks. Agreed. I actually think it's been worse in the lower ranks, like the lower you go. Like really? I, so I've been, mm. I've, been, I've been talking to a lot of people about this, and I think the... The one saving grace that you have the highest at the highest elo is that obviously no one automatically gets given GM one or GM two, right? So at least people who are haven't played in a while or have had their MMR reset or whatever aren't immediately landing in your top five hundred games. But for the majority of the players, like I, I this is one area where I feel like people who are bronze to silver to plat gold whatever they're all saying the same thing. They're just like. I don't know, dude. The game is a massive coin flip. I'm silver. I'm getting put with masters or vice versa. And I agree with you guys. Like the looking at the profile doesn't even matter in a way because of the this, the real truth of the MMR versus SR thing, right? It's like actually the icon is a lie anyways. Like what the icon is showing you is not what the game actually rates you. So the game has its own like whatever way of calculating what it thinks you are. The icon that is showing you is just a temporary number of like this is where you are right now. But again, you could be, you know, for the for the diamond, the classic diamond in the GM game, the game thinks that they're GM most likely. It could be it could be putting them in as a paperweight, but the game most likely thinks that they're GM, right? And mm-hmm. just because their physical SR hasn't caught up, it's going to show diamond, but they're secretly ma- the, the 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 devs would say they've been match made correctly because they are where they're supposed to be. But this yeah. is one area where I have felt like players in every rank have have said the same thing to me. Like every day, people come to my community and they're like. Games are a mess. Games are a mess. I will say one of the things that I felt, because uh, like I was playing on like uh, my Diamond and like Masters, I was playing DPS. And I will say the big thing that I've noticed is that because of 5v5 and how much more open the game is, if you have a really good tank compared to the lobby or a really good Sojourn player compared to the lobby, they will just win the game on their own. Like I played a game against um, Zebra on fucking Doomfist, and my team just couldn't kill him. And, like, we just straight up lost the game because he's just, like, running around us. That disparity in skill, I think, has uh, weighted the game for you, like, a lot more than it ever was in Overwatch 1 because there were more players, there were more chokes, the game was slower in general. But I think that's also, like, leading to this sentiment as well. Yeah, Karku, Deku, you guys anything to chime in on that? No, that was actually a good point. Like, those two individuals 
are weighted a lot more. And if you don't, if your sojourn is getting diffed, you just lose the game. If especially the ta- and being the only tank there uh, with, with the solo tank, it's that matchup specifically and how they kind of approach the space they're taking. It kind of like sets everybody else up. And um, that could also attribute to the whole coin flippy thing because like it would be a little bit more rare if, it, if it's a bit more evenly matched. Where does the, the difference come? I feel like from a support perspective, the playmaking aspect isn't there anymore. I'm just sitting there trying to survive more so than than find ways to to playmake. I think early on with Kiriko, when the season started, I was like, I was like barely GM five. I was in Masters one because I was still trying. I was like trying to playmake as Kiriko going deep and trying to like flank Kunai and try to get all the headshots. But that, but then obviously the Overwatch League showed us with Fielder that just strictly focusing on heals with a little bit of weaving DPS, but not your priority. But building the Fox, that's your win condition. And doing that is like and just surviving and healing and getting the Fox quicker is how you win. It feels a lot more boring for me, but um, just simply surviving is 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 the the way i can impact the game so i guess i was kind of ranting there or kind of but it just goes back to the point where like it really does feel like either sojourn or the tank is like the two most impactful roles and that's where the coin flip comes for me as a support it's like i'm at the mercy of them for the most part i just do my part but i can't swing it as heavily as those two roles mm-hmm. you're at their mercy I, no com- pun intended go ahead deku <laughs> I completely agree with you on that, and also the game feels like a lot more heavy on counterpicking, especially for tank, mm-hmm. and um, also ult uh, economy, especially for winning fights. If you they have more ults than you and you don't, you just lose that fight. So you're you're about to get me going. I'm saving this rant on counterpicking <laughs> and thingy, but I'm gonna try and stick to the stick to the topic for now. Well, because there's a lot of interesting things you said there, like the heal botting is another interesting thing I want to discuss. And for once, we actually have a dominance of support players on the podcast. Because usually I have Sam, Frito, and and Flats, and that's like two tanks and and a DPS main. And the comments in YouTube are always like you didn't get a support perspective like the support these guys are just because they just spend the two hours being like support dog shit free roll these guys don't know how to play these kids get good (laughs) and the comments are just like what is this so for once we have some support pov but yeah on the matchmaking i mean how do you feel the, the, the difficult part with commenting on matchmaking is that we obviously don't know the details right like we don't know and nor should we know nor can we know because if they told us exactly how the mmr system would work then or just a ranking system works, and there's a good chance people abuse it, right? If they're like, oh, this is what helps you climb more, people are going to abuse it. But how do you feel like in the efficacy of the MMR reset, the, the soft reset, the decay system that they've said they've put in? Like, do you think it's been good? It's not, you haven't felt the like impact of it? Or do you think it's like something that needs to take more time? Like, how have you felt? I'll go with Custa first. Um... I think it's very hard to gauge it off the rip because we're going into a completely new game. So I'm sure it was very heavy handed. Um, And, you know, some people were asking for like a hard reset, which, you know, we talked about how that's such a bad idea so much leading into it. And we can all agree now that it would have been a worse idea because we had a soft reset and people are still complaining about it and already complaining about it. So I'm curious to see what the reset looks like going into the next season because they said that going from season to season there will be a decaying uh mmr so that everyone is always starting from a lower point than they started if they can just keep that going from season to season i think it will be better for the game but i think we can all agree i don't know if it's the limited number of players or what's going on but there is way too much variance right now in lobbies of like you have a gm player 
playing with a diamond player. And as we just talked about those roles, if that diamond player is your tank, the GM player who's playing support isn't going to be able to offset that. So I think that's really what I'm looking at of, is it going to get better as seasons go on? So I want to chime in, unless Karki or Deku, you guys want to chime in, because I, I, you know, I think we can all agree would have been worse. I'm not sure I'm, I'm on that train. So uh, unless you guys want to chime in, I'll, I'll chime in. No, say your piece. Go ahead. So like, I, I'm not, I'm not emphatically, because the thing is, I don't want to be like, no, a full reset would have been better. Because I, what the fuck do I know? Do I, do I, you know, make matchmaking? Do I have any insight into like how that, the depths of how that works? No. But I almost wonder if the the soft reset has kind of baited. Like I, I, I kind of went back and forth. Initially, I was like, it has to be a hard reset because it's a new game. And you're advertising it as a new game. You're like, 5v5 is a completely different experience. Like, it's a whole new thing to learn. And so I was like, no, we need a hard reset. Then they were like, well, the thing about it this way, though, is, is all this data that we have from years of playing Overwatch 1, why, why throw it away? Why not at least use it in some regard, right? Even if it's a very loose regard, why not use the data to help, mm -hmm. you know, shape your ranking system? And now we're here and I'm like, well, the games are such clown fiestas anyways. And I almost wonder if like the, the soft carryover of players who are um, given some leeway because of what their achievements in Overwatch 1 was is kind of almost damaging. And it's really, again, it's really hard to comment because it's very anecdotal. But literally, for example, yesterday, I got my tank to Master 1 and the first game in that lobby, my Ana types in chat. It's like a Route 66 game. My Ana is like, so what did they change in Overwatch 2 except for 5v5? And I was like, oh, lol, this guy's funny, right? He's joking. Let me let me look at his profile. I look at his profile. He had no, literally never played a comp game in Overwatch 2 and hadn't played Overwatch 1 in years. Like, literally, this was his, he had no match data in Overwatch 2. So he just, like, booted up, went in, and the game was like, here you go, Master 1, right? But my and counterpoint I, to that is, mm -hmm. like, it, sorry, I don't want to cut you off. No, but go it's ahead, like, go ahead. It's good, go ahead. Because you're, you're saying, like, Oh yeah, it's annoying that that's happening to you, but now that would have consistently happened. If you had done a hard reset, all of a sudden you would have returning GM players just entering into the 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 Thunderdome of Silver and just being like, "Oh yeah, I'm just going to dominate my next like 20 games before the matchmaker mm -hmm. like really starts putting me in the right direction." So, I'd actually say the hard reset wouldn't have been as much it I think we're biased because we are all high-ranked players that the hard reset would benefit us the most. Like, just straight up because yeah. we would be able to win games, we would be able to climb, and then everyone who ended up at that rank would be at the right spot. But it would just be an absolute clown fiesta at the lower ranks. And I think, at least for Blizzard's perspective, they don't care about us. We're going to play the game anyway, for the most part. Uh, if you really hurt the casual player's perspective of just like, I play the game and I just can't do anything because there are great players against me, I think you're going to turn a lot of people off off the rip. And I think that's one of the major reasons they did that. Mm -hmm. Also fair point. Counterpoint to your counterpoint. Uh, one is that it clearly has already been a bit of a clown fiesta for your average normal player. Two, mm -hmm. like the MMR reset. Again, I think, I think one of the misunderstandings is that people feel like the MMR reset is only to stop people who were GM not being GM or master being GM. But like for someone who was plat in Overwatch 1 and didn't play for years, it's still the same net effect, right? They're still ending up in a plat lobby even if like they should be now silver or bronze. Now, of course, you're right. They, it would disproportionately hurt, potentially, players in the metal ranks, right? But the other counterpoint to that is, for me personally, I think it's a better philosophy to have someone who's too good for the lobby than to have someone who's too bad for the lobby. Because I think I would rather go up against someone who's like, okay, that person's really good. Because there's something to learn from what's like, that guy's really good and he's doing stuff that's like making it hard for me to win. Versus like, this guy is just tossing my game and there's nothing I can do. And I and this is another related point for I can see you itching to respond, Custa. Another related point I found is that I feel like in Overwatch 2, 
bad players have a more like greater impact like than in Overwatch and obviously it makes sense there's less players but I feel like it's easier for someone to throw the game than it is for someone to carry the game in Overwatch 2 in IML. Oh, I don't I don't know if I agree with that. Like I maybe in Overwatch 1 I would agree with that of like it's easier for someone to carry it um but he, here's my thing is like I agree with you. Like I have the exact same mindset. I would much rather have someone who is a better player in my games. Um, because then you can learn from that and you can improve from that. But a lot of people aren't like that. Like if they, the number of people who just get into a lobby and someone just starts destroying them, they just go, oh, it's a Smurf. I don't care anymore. This person's just way better. And I'm just going to pick, I don't know, something stupid and just like stop trying. I, I think neither is a good situation, but I think most casual players would prefer to have someone who is worse in their lobby than someone who is too good because they're just absolutely destroying the game. Um, maybe that is accentuated by what I was talking about earlier of like when they someone carries, they can carry. Like I'll, I'll just say plainly, like I made an account so I can play with my fiance uh, and you know, it's, it's quite low ranked. I, you know, I'm running around and I try and keep it balanced, but it's like, the game really just is over if I ever just decide to try and that kind of stuff. And that's the problem is I think there are a lot of accounts like that that really just ruin the game for like everyone else in the lobby. And people do this consistently time and time again. And I think that just really hurts. It creates a negative experience for everyone rather than just someone being bad in your team because then at least you can blame them and you can be like, oh, they shouldn't have been in the game less so than just this person smurfing in my game and now I can't play. Okay, I I don't want to keep hogging. I don't want to just literally be back and forth to me and yeah, Kasta. Yeah, so yeah, Karku yeah. or Deku, you want to chime in on anything here? Deku, I mean, nice. I had I had an Karku. idea of a solution to this, mm -hmm. maybe like a possible solution. I'm not saying it was the proper one, but I've always been an advocate where if you don't play for X amount of years, like right now as it stands, let's say a person was actually this was an example. There was a guy who said he was 4,500 an overwatch one in like 2017 but he didn't play for five years and he got in my game and he was only diamond one and he was getting destroyed he's like i'm like oh he's like yeah dude i'm diamond like i was once upon a time i was good but i haven't played in so many years like it, it took his 4500 from that long ago and still put him in the game because that was his lasting last mmr i think if it's one year plus each year it like decays uh, an arbitrary amount I don't know if that's reasonable or feasible. I don't know if there, I, I'm only seeing the pros that in my eyes. Maybe there's some cons that I'm missing, but for every month or maybe every season, every season's like two months, every season in Overwatch 1 that you don't play, you actually, not a, not a front-facing decay, but like the actual MMR is genuinely yeah. decaying up to a certain cap. So like if you were a Grandmaster, like I, people, people always say the GM of 2017, in 2022 or 2023, they're probably low diamond at best. Maybe even worse because they're number one they're rusty and the general average skill level everybody has gone up over the years right i mean silver mercies are super jumping i mean it's a little easier now but like all these little cool tech mechanical mechanically and even just game sense people are are, are better at the average rank i, I rewatched my old 4300 game in 2017 i'm like this wouldn't even pass in diamond these days i, I could just see all the errors coming in but it was it was fine back then but yeah just an average like a hundred if we went by the SR system, it's pretty easy because there's a front, there's a number to it. Uh, I would say every season it's a hundred, like every two months you lose a hundred SR. That's pretty reasonable because there's six. You don't play for a year. That's six seasons if it's two month seasons. 
and that would be 600 SR. So if I'm like 4,200 and after a year, they put me in low master, I think that's reasonable. And after two years, put me down a diamond, maybe cap it at a thousand or something. So that's uh, 10 divisions in the new system, right? Like five, four, three, two, one, five, four, three, two, one. That's, 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 my, that's my take on it. What do you guys think about that? I think that's a good idea because I'm not gonna lie, I was playing support yesterday. So it's like off roll. I'm like diamond yeah. one on it. And at least in four of my lobbies, I had someone who was like, oh, I haven't played this game in years. I don't know what's going on. What do I do? Yeah, and so if they were like, diving back then, they should they should have been really decayed down to whatever that would be, probably mid mid low gold. Yeah, goldish, I'd yeah. say. Goldish, yeah. Like a genuine decay. And also what SPV was saying about all that data that like Blizzard has of Overwatch one and stuff. I'm kinda mad that they just took away all the season data that from all the past seasons that we still had. exists. Like, so we still it have exists, heard. but like why can't we just have it there, you know? It's like they yeah. simplified a lot of the stuff. They, they, there's like less, less noise, less information to not overwhelm new players. Like, you know, the whole system to unlock heroes slowly, don't have previous season info because it's too much stat pollution. Do you think they did it as well to sort of like make new players feel like they don't have like just a massive chunk of their profile missing compared to anyone who played Overwatch 1? Because like if you think about how much stat data, as you said, would have been there, like obviously it's cool. But like even if there was just like a legacy tab or something like that where you could just go, you'd click on that tab. And it's like everything you did in Overwatch 1, like because it would just be cool to be able to see people's previous seasons and such. That'd be cool, yeah. I think it was designed for this whole game was designed to like attract newer players and it kind of sucks because it's a slap in the face the older ones to see all the legacy stuff I really think there's data there's a lot of data scientists and data analysts on the team and psychologists that are studying player behavior and I think maybe if it's designed for newer players perhaps they're the psychology and the study and the data proves that new players might you know have feel inferior when they're always comparing themselves to like previous players with all this experience in their stat page and then they'll feel like they won't uh, you know do well against them perhaps i'm just this is just me throwing random shit in the air this is probably no, I mean, not true but this is just a theory no but this is the thing this is all shattered mystery because like you know I, I agree with your idea as well karki but then maybe there's like a dev sitting there and sometimes gavin winter who's responsible for like comp and matchmaking is in my chat he was in my chat yesterday and i was ranting about matchmaking i was like gavin this ain't it bro this ain't it and he was like oh trying to explain to me with science over so like, the devs might be like we did that car like, that's actually happening right now right like, they might be like we're, we're doing something close to that right so but we don't know but here's like uh, here's a, a little theory and uh, i've uh, someone in my community um floated like this conspiracy theory to me yesterday i'm curious to hear what you guys think and hopefully the devs will forgive me for for putting stock in the in the conspiracy theory basically um they were bringing up that there was like this reddit post or something about how there's like this patent that activision had which is like matchmaking based off of cosmetics and there's also like this other thing <laughs> called uh, other thing called open your wallet <laughs> engagement based yeah. engagement based matchmaking, which is something that EA have. I think EA have a patent for engagement based matchmaking, which is no way that's real. Which is like basically uh, to summarize, because there's like a long ass study that uh, you guys don't have the time to read, I'm sure, especially not right now. Um, but basically, it was like so. What we do is we focus on the players who are at the risk of churning. Churning basically meaning that they're gonna quit the game. So, so they, they accept that basically players are going to lose and they're going to win. So all we're going to do is make sure that the players 
who are at risk of churning get their win when they need to. So we, we, we're not so focused on like matching with the integrity of like making the most fair games. Especially like the higher skill the player is, the less we necessarily think they're going to churn. So like whereas the lower skill players are churned more easily. So what we do is we basically rig the game to, so that like you, you get a few losses. But if the player, if they figure out that the player is about to churn, they give them a free win. Basically, they're like they stack the matchmaking to give them a free win. Now this is like this is a, this was like an actual That's study. That's some like, tinfoil hat stuff. Right <laughs> so there. this was this was like a, this was to be fair. This is on the losers queue and winners queue. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, to be fair, okay, this is just like a patent that EA have. So th that's yeah. EA. What wow. uh, what was interesting? And again, this is because the e I was, I must clarify that just because they have a patent doesn't mean. And also, part of that was like they were throwing bots some games literally to make you feel better. Of course, it's different for like Apex, right? You can't just throw in bots for someone to farm, and it like I guess you could say who does it hurt? Even if it's a bit yeah. insidious and you know a bit manipulative and, and cheap but that's and even if they have the patent doesn't mean they're using it it just means that they've you know stored the potential to use it for themselves someday and on that same note activision have a patent which is for cosmetics based matchmaking which is basically that the idea that like you prioritize uh a player who has less cosmetics and you match them deliberately against a player who has more so that they see the guy who has all the cosmetics and is like i want them so like this is like so I, I'm curious if you guys like because someone was like this is exactly what it feels like in my matchmaking like the engagement based matchmaking this is what it feels I don't think I buy it but what do you guys think how do you quantify that how do you quantify how many cosmetics somebody has like in terms of like I'm not as I said I'm not talking from like obviously in the back end Blizzard can recognize those kind of things but like how does that person come to that conclusion are they just dying all the time and looking at everyone's sweet cosmetics and I'm like I knew it there this is engagement based like matchmaking like I don't know I think there is a lot of complexity to uh the matchmaker and there's a lot of things that we just aren't aware of um like Kaku said there's it's people's little jobs and they've like have degrees to like work these things out and sometimes us is just game as we're like well here's where i think you're doing everything wrong without like while missing the big scope of it but i don't think there is some like grand conspiracy to make people play there there might be but i i don't think so i i i genuinely believe that it's just the matchmaker really struggles to put people together especially when you have such an overhaul of systems like overwatch one overwatch two but I don't know. That would be funny if it came out that was true. Can you imagine how much Reddit would explode? <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> the explosion. There would be, be people dogpiling this game. It's gonna <laughs> we'll go nuts if this is true. Pitchforks outside the Activision offices, dude. Yeah, god. I'd jump in on that train, honestly. I, fair, I, yeah. I'm, a, I'm a Blizzard apologist and I would still jump in on that, that dog pile. Yeah. Deku, any thoughts on this? I, I don't know if that would apply to to overwatch but it's an interesting take mm -hmm. i always say as well like i said to my chat yesterday when they when someone brought this up, i was like never attribute there's a quote it's like never attribute to malice what you can attribute to incompetence and that's not a shade to the blizzard devs that like i'm calling them incompetent but what i'm saying is like it's not i don't think it's a grand nefarious scheme because another theory that people had i know where they were like oh they're using the new rank system to cover up the fact that they're deliberately matching like people from much farther sr apart so they're using like the new system so you don't see it so that you don't, you can't tell who's been ma but i think all of that like is irrelevant compared to just the matchmaker struggling to like to make good matches basically um and i think part of that to finish to round off because we have discussed the matchmaker for a bit but to round off i think that like i think the biggest issue is that all the all the matchmaking said and done all the soft reset hard reset said and done the biggest issue i think is that the 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 thing that's gauging your skill 
is just not as good as it should be. I think at, at the end of the day, the thing that's trying to figure out where someone's MMR should be and where they should be is just not doing its job. And I don't blame them because Overwatch is a really tough game to rank, right? There's so many variables. Just even like someone queues up tank, they are a Reinhardt specialist. The map is Numbani or whatever, you know, like Gibraltar. Now they're they, or automatically if they pick Reinhardt, they're going to be performing worse versus if they, let's say, flex to monkey, but they're not a good monkey player. Again, the map, like they're performing worse than what the MMR would be. Right? So it's like really difficult. I can totally understand that it's difficult to figure out where someone should be. But I also have to feel like it just ain't it at the moment. And and let's let me try and be kind and say maybe it'll it'll figure it out as time goes on. But right now it's been pretty miserable with, with how people are being ranked, to be honest. Yeah, I think they did say they they uh they are fixing it. Or like in season two, it'll be a lot more aggressive in terms of uh adjusting the the information or the the data yeah the it feels very forgiving right now for at least i was playing on like my master's five account and i was losing a lot but i still won my seven and i was still able to rank up two ranks i was like yeah but i just lost like seven in a row as well what shouldn't i stay the same and it just it kept ranking me up i don't know if it's because that account has good mmr or whatever but it's not making a lot of sense to me well, a lot of times. I, I, Here's a question: Have you guys ranked down at all in like this entire season? Like, oh, plenty. Because you know, we yeah. all go on losing streak. I've I haven't ranked down yet. Like, I'm just always going up. I've had situations where I think I went like seven and fourteen, and I just like I just stayed the same. And I was like, oh, well, that's nice. Like, I just never haven't ranked down. So I'm not sure if, as you said, it's an MMR thing, and that's sort of like Probably the is. problem with this system is that it doesn't use like at this point it doesn't use what you're doing right now. It just like it's just trending you towards a number that you don't know what that is. So your wins and losses don't matter. And when you're having so many games, like that's 20 games that I played, you don't remember. They don't tell you what your win-loss record is. The only reason I remembered because I did it all in one sitting. Um, so it's like, it's just so weird how they do it. Um, and that's, I don't know if we're going to talk about the matchmaker later in terms of like the seven win aspect of it all. Um, but I think that's an interesting thing that we should like, that a lot of people have been going back on lately. Yeah, I mean, let's so bring I it up now. Go ahead, uh, go ahead, Deku. Oh, so I so I did have that weird uh rank up bug where it went like Masters one and like it says you ranked up and then it went to Diamond one and it's like yeah it it was a <laughs> fun awful. fun day it was a fun day. <laughs> I mean, I was able yeah, to climb back, but it was like really annoying. Yeah, but wow. I don't know. It's just weird to me. Like other than that, I have ranked down like one rank down and then back up, down and back up, but. Other than that, no. All right. I've ranked down plenty. Don't worry. Don't worry. I've gone. I've bounced All right, up. All right, SVB's down. doing it. Yeah, yeah, doing yeah, the I, science I for us. <laughs> for, for, for the people, I ranked down for the people. Nah, yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. Let, let, let's talk about the new comp system. Um. So yeah, seven wins, twenty losses. You're not seeing a finite number. The icons are tiny. They're not showing when you're actually playing. What do you What do you think of it? Dynasty 135 gifted. Do you want um, me to go? Uh, no, yeah, like Cardinal. after you go first. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, no, no, no. The not showing thing, I while think I, while it still stems back. While I mute a stream alert, so you're not getting yelled at. I forgot to mute my alerts. Okay, go Dynasty, ahead. thank you so much for the 10 gifted subs. <laughs> there you go. Appreciate it so much. Out. Thanks for supporting the podcast. Yeah, I'm SPV right now. I got you. Got you, man. Um, right, go ahead, go ahead. Um, But uh, what was I going to say? I still think this goes back to the whole psychology study. I really think like the whole world works on uh, 
data now. Everything is data driven. Analytics, retention, all that fun stuff. So um, the whole the whole point of the not showing like your progress, I think it still stems from the that study. It's probably yeah. proven somewhere in the study where consistently seeing like seeing that progress might lower your average play time in one sitting even though it feels like a double-edged sword because it feels good when you're making like progress you want to play more but on the same vein seeing like your progress where you've already lost five in a row and you're still like four wins away from the next update it's going to make you want to log off and i think it's all data no matter how even if you feel like it'd be nice to see it they they, they probably have like a the offset where you just lose more players rather than keep them so they just don't show you that's my take I, what do you think? the thing Agreed? the i i agree with you like i can i even like myself like i i used to just get like upset when you do your win loss record on your stream and you look at it and you're like oh i'm 2 and 11 this shit sucks like when you don't turn that on yeah you might be in a bad mood for losing 11 games but not seeing that number goes a really long way so like i even like personally i've seen that effect but the only thing that I would say that I would want different, because obviously, like, a lot of casuals will come out and say, I really like this system. I never played ranked before because of seeing my number go up and down. But now I do because I don't really care that much. Uh, so it's obviously having an impact. But for me, when I get to the point where it's I'm going to rank up or down, I want to see what my loss number is. Because obviously yes. I have seven wins, but I don't know. I can't remember how many games I lost. So at least I yes. would have a gauge of, like, well, where's the game putting me based on this win-loss ratio? If they could just add that number, I think it's a fine system. On top of that, I would like to see the wins go down to five instead of seven. I think seven is too many games. Agreed. Uh, that's an average 14 compared to an average 10. I think five would sort of hit that in the middle quite well. So what you're saying, you still see you see the pro maybe you don't you, you you kind of balance it where you, you don't see it until like the actual update shows up and then it'll reveal to you the win-loss. Yeah, right so at it's that like moment only. Here's your wins, and it doesn't even need to be a big. Oh, here's all the maps you lost with like graphics and stuff like that. Just have a <laughs> number like under the wins of like games lost, games drawn, and then like put that number there, and then you'd be like, okay, cool. Now I have a good gauge of like because I've had things where I'm like, I don't remember how many games I lost in this like process, so I have mm -hmm. no idea where I'm going. I completely agree with that, and also I kind of wish like. Or like when you get into a game at the beginning of the match, it used to tell you like the average SR of the lobby. I feel like that would be Ooh. really helpful. Ooh, <laughs> that would be really helpful Ooh. just to know what kind Ooh. of lobby you're in and how how you get you're gonna have to play play the game. You know, just the average of the lobby and not necessarily show anybody's ranks in specific. You don't have to do that. Just the average of the lobby, and then as well, um, at least for your icon at the bottom left, like have your icon for like that would be like good for streamers you know what i mean yeah but, i agree um, it doesn't have to affect anyone else you know you can just see your rank and that's it uh that's all i want you could make it toggleable as well like just make yes. it a setting of like show rank in game and like it's just a thing that you press on like the social tab or something like that so if you don't want it you don't have to have it agree that's a very streamer problem though because i think for the majority of players it's like career profile oh that's where i am okay and go back yeah i guess the the flip is like your rank could be changed you know what i mean like you're let's say you you ranked up seven win six wins ago what it's showing you there might not be true right because you might yeah. be ready to rank up whereas the icon is still an old icon when you're in a different so i but i i don't really like i i think that part is like incidental because i think again i think it's a very streamer problem 
Um, and I, Karki, you had an ooh. Uh, Deku, actually, you said something you wanted to interject. Go ahead, interject. Oh, I, I forgot. Never mind. Okay, you forgot. Okay. Karki, you yeah, went I'm ooh. Sure. I mean, I, oh, I'm just good. like showing the rank in the front. Um, I think there is a counterpoint to that where there's a reason they don't do that anymore. Again, due to the whole like psychology of, yes, it's nice to know how to play around if you know the average rank of the lobby, but at the same time, I feel like it kind of like promotes you to play differently. I feel like if you get into it, I think it would negatively affect players who are playing in a higher lobby they're used to. Let's say you're, um, I don't know, Diamond 1, and then it says average lobby is like Masters 2, which is like, what, 400 SR higher. Psychologically speaking, I've noticed when players, especially, you know, mostly in the metal ranks, when they play in a lobby that's way higher than they're used to, they play way more passive. Yeah. Like they just, just psychologically speaking, when you feel like you're out of reach, you play safer. And while surviving is good, sometimes you're a little bit too passive where you just have no impact in the game whatsoever. And I just see this in VOD reviews. They're like, oh, I was this plat player. I, just, I got pulled into this diamond lobby and this is how I play. And I'm like, what are you doing? You got you to gotta do what you were doing. But like, obviously, if you're getting punished for certain things, you adjust. But like, you're, you're just regressing right now because you got scared. And you can't do that. I also think there's an inverse effect. There's a lot of people mm. who will join a lobby that is one tier below them and they'll be like, who, who is trash in this lobby? Anyone who is trash, put your hand up right now. And they're like, they'll just antagonize everyone and be like, I'm this rank, you're this rank. And they'll Why just like in instantly lobby, the classic. Why am I in this lobby? Blizzard, please. I'm a diamond player. I should not be playing with these plat players. Like it happens all the time. Like, and it's just like frustrating. So in general, it feels like Blizzard is going the mentality of the less information you give the players, the more comfortable players are going to be, which is probably yeah. true and why it is done. Yeah. It's frustrating for us, but I, I can understand why it's being done. Yeah. Yeah, another one of those, like, it's it's really frustrating because it feels like you're arguing with algorithms and science. You're not really arguing with yes. hum, human decisions, right? Yeah. You're not like, Devs, why didn't you do this? We're like, we have science. But but I, no, but science. But I felt <laughs> There's bad. Science. There's data. I felt bad. No, but science, dude. Like, cause how, do you, like, yeah, how do you equate how someone feels on a, on a, in a variable, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the devs talk about that? this a lot, where they're like, oh, you know, you need to tell, like, we, we look for player feel and player feedback to gauge sentiment. But at the end of the day, it feels mm -hmm. like that's uh, that's always going to be secondary to when the science tells them, yeah, but not showing the thing, just more people play. So we want more people. So, because another facet of the seven wins things, like one thing that's sometimes very defeating is when you know you've lost a lot and you're like, I'm going to fucking rank down. And you're just trying to like get to these like two two more wins and you're like I lost 10 games dog. Like I'm about to watch this number go down and I'm I don't even want to I don't know if I want to do this anymore. Like I don't I don't know if I want to keep going. So like there's there are frustrations to it. So yeah, I think the the 5 could be good. But yeah. Can't can't really argue with I think the the science of probably more people are playing now as a consequence. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, any more thoughts on the new comp system before we move on? um it definitely appeals more to like casual players and it does feel less harsh when you lose for sure which another hot take i feel like people people are more keen to throw a game if they see they're losing really badly i don't know if mm -hmm. anyone agrees with me no i agree but, with that actually i, never yeah, thought about. I don't know that, that's how i feel about that but i think it's it's overall a little better on on like players and everything on their mental so it's not that bad just the matchmaking is a little iffy 
Fair. Okay. All right. Well, let's uh, let's move on from the matchmaking then to to actually game feel and the game itself. Um, so yeah, I mean, obviously we were biased because we were playing at a, a level probably most people aren't playing. Although I've only recently got there myself. <laughs> I was stuck in diamond for a while. Um, but how has the game felt? Obviously, that includes balance, but also just generally five v five. This is the first season we've had five v five and all the other accompanying changes, role passives, reduction of CC. So uh, let's go to Deku first. Deku, how have you found this season in terms of the gameplay and game feel? I definitely miss CC on DPS. I don't like that my tank is the only one that get really gets a CC or my Ana. But um, is it even much of a CC the... anymore on Ana? It's like you sleep up and they're just like it's like a flashbang now. They just get right back up. <laughs> well, yeah, but at least you know it puts them down for a little bit. But um, for for as a whole, the game has felt a lot better. Definitely way way faster than Overwatch One, and gameplay wise. I don't know if it's just me or maybe what I remember. I feel like hitscan was felt a lot smoother in Overwatch 1 than it did does in Overwatch 2. Even like playing Ana, like when I shoot bullets or like Ana's like projectile, it feels different than what it used to feel like in Overwatch 1. It doesn't feel as instant to me. I don't know if that's just me, but that's like my hot take right now. But other than that, the game has felt really, really good. Um, balanced besides Sojourn. And yeah pretty good hello guys SCB here just want to quickly interrupt this episode of the group Up podcast to say that if you've been enjoying this content then please do consider supporting me directly via patreon it really does help since patreon only takes about 10 percent of your money where youtube and twitch take 40 and 50 percent respectively so it supports me and allows me to keep making videos no matter how many views they do or don't get also, if you are really enjoying this discussion, then why not consider watching some of my other content? First and foremost, my Twitch stream where this podcast is hosted live, and I stream five days a week doing a bunch of other things as well. If you're not much of a Twitch viewer, then you can check out the SVB side channel, where all the best bits from the stream go straight to YouTube in highlight format, including VOD reviews, gameplay, and streamer formats, such as the Fantasy Overwatch or Rank Gauntlet that you may have seen other streamers participate in. And finally, if you're sick of Overwatch, then you could check out my other channel, The Soak, which is where I do movie and TV breakdowns. And I've done videos on things like Avatar The Last Airbender, Pixar's Up, and anime like Haikyuu. So if any of that sounds up your street, then all the links are in the description. But now, back to the discussion. Okay, so you're quite happy then. Yeah. Because this would be... Uh... A contradiction to the to the conversations we've no, had. No, no, no. I'm happy DMs. about the gameplay. The okay, gameplay. Okay. I'm. Ha I. I don't like the matchmaking system. Okay, like, okay, well, okay. You know what I mean. It, the gameplay feels nice. Okay. Like, the game's very pretty. Everything's bright and happy, but the lobbies. <laughs> Fair. Yeah. Custard, go ahead. Uh, I yeah, I agree. I think that the game plays overall a lot better. Like we were in, we were in some some hell there for a little bit in like 2021 when we were just like we were playing a game where chokes were just the most important thing and like you were always just getting stuck behind chokes waiting for ultimates waiting for a pick all that kind of stuff and i think the game's a lot more open uh but this season really identified a lot of issues that exist with that is that like one shots right now are at an all-time high like we're playing like Sojourn Mercy, Roadhog, uh, I've played like a game with a Hanzo as well. And then you're like 
maybe I'm just biased towards this because I'm the fucking poor little Zenyatta or Anna player who's like, hey guys, what's up? How's everyone? Oh God. And then you get like, you dodge the hook and then you like dodge the Sojin right click. And then a Hanzo just like one shots you from across the map and you're like, fuck this game. But it's can get better. I think that the, the way that the meta has shifted has been really bad. Anytime Roadhogger's meta is just bad for the game, in my opinion. And I think that there's very little counterplay for supports. They need to find a way to make supports feel more impactful. I've seen some people say like, oh, they need to have more playmaking ability. I think it's ML7 has been talking about that. I think that's a dangerous game to go play of like when you have all five players who have ridiculous playmaking ability. But I think they need to give supports something that makes it feel like you can impact or change the result of the game and not just support your other players better because they can't carry, right? Like an issue I've been having in most recent games, especially with Sojin, is that like you play a Sojin and then they have a Sojin Mercy. So your Sojin just can't win that matchup. So then you play Sojin Mercy and then it's just like who hits the rail really more than anything. And I think that's a really bad impact for the game where only a few people can dictate the flow of it. So I think overall, 5v5 is just way better for the game. It'll be better for the longevity of Overwatch 2. Um, and I think the heroes they're releasing are really interesting. Like Kiriko, Junker Queen, uh, Sojin, they're all great heroes. Obviously, balance has been a little wacky with them. Ramatra looks sick. Um, so I think they're doing a good job with those heroes. And I think it's going to keep people excited and interested. Uh, one thing I will be critical of, though, is the, the new maps. I think they just need to, need to be careful with some of the maps that they're introducing, and we'll see what the new one looks like soon. Mm -hmm. I mean, lots of points. Let, let, let's stick to the to the gameplay because we'll we'll definitely talk about maps Sorry. as well. And no, 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 good, good. I'm just trying to segment so we don't we get everyone's thoughts on everything. So yeah, I mean, I definitely agree with that sentiment about. I think I think the one shots probably compound compound your feeling as well, Custer, where it's like as a support what can you do to contribute to the one-shot meta, right? It's like, okay, you can Zenyatta right-click them, but even that's like, that's not the same thing. And you Mercy Pocket, that's, those are your options. Because like all the, da like chip damage is like irrelevant when the defining characteristic is like this kills stuff, right? Yeah. Like this kills stuff instantly. Because I've been finding this on tank a little bit where like, I, I'm morally opposed to Roadhog. I will refuse, apart from the most, di like the only time I played Roadhog, was when my Moria was literally throwing herself off the map. So I was like, okay, I I'm going to go Roadhog and we won that game. <laughs> but like, so I'll play like Winston, Ryan, Sigma and I'll I'm playing Sigma, I'm playing my life out, dude. I'm like, I'm anchoring this position. I'm hitting all these fucking rocks and all this shit, 360 degree shield and everything, grasping the other guy. And it's like, you do all this and then one little roadie boy walks up. He just like, your teammate just dives bombs in front of his face and he goes, yoink, boom. And then like all the, the time you spent working away in advantage is like negated by one guy going, boom. And you're like, well, what was, what was all that for? What was all of that, that time I spent? What was all that for? So I feel like that probably compounds the feeling of like a support where you're like, because support is all about working those advantages, right? It's like, I'm, yeah. I'm building this thing here. I'm building something for us. Like I'm, I'm slowly draining their resources with the stuff i use and i'm keeping my team topped up and bang the, the guy dies so karik is that something you felt as a support player as well um you got to repeat that last part i like i mean just do you feel like a there's not enough playmaking because obviously we don't even know what your stance oh. on that is as support and b do you feel like what, what, what do you think is the consequence of like as a support player um, I think I actually agree with Custis sentiment earlier where like you have to be careful with giving supports too much playmaker or like where everybody is a playmaker, then we might run to even more issues. Um 
but <sighs> so so what do you mean what do you mean by that elaborate like what what are you fearing like if if everybody had more play i don't think their 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 lack of playmaking is a product of of like i don't think you have to give them any playmaking i just think you need to adjust the one shot stuff and then by proxy the like you won't i, I can actually take a bit more risks you know, I don't have to just play for my life. I can take a bit more aggressive angles as Ana or as Kiriko, strictly because there is less risk of randomly getting one shot. Like if you, I think if you just add more power to supports, um, you're gonna, you know, the whole power creep debate. I actually think um, before yeah. Sojourn was ridiculous and before Roadhog one shots in the beta, I felt like supports were actually really good, like really strong. I remember when I was seeing the uh, the one second regenerate on the supports early on versus the one point five. I was like, dude, I'm like. I'm owning right now. As Ana, I'm actually like totally good with just walking up here, poking people down, quote unquote playmaking. Sometimes I would just get a kill on my own if I get a like a nasty sleep. I can be really proactive. And then if I get if I like take some poke back, I just duck out of cover, wait a second, and I'm back to full health. I had more options to uh, be impactful in that way. But with the way everything has shifted now, I think just the it's not a result of them getting weak because like what it went from one second to 1.5 second for the support passive i still think that's fine but it's just everything else on the other rules is kind of compounded mainly sojourn mainly tanks you know kind of um roadhog mostly just being being the reason why games are won and lost which kind of like goes back to the beginning and even honestly before roadhog it was like the zarya like whoever is the better zarya and she's a feast or famine hero yeah. if the moment you if the first zarya like the minute the first zarya wins the fight it's like over because she's gonna every new fight you enter she's already at the advantage of, of of higher energy maintenance um and the other one has to like start over and like regain that energy so the last two quote-unquote meta tanks is i always i think zarya being hard meta and hog being hard meta is not healthy for the game like a fine i actually think the zarya nerfs are good right now just saying but i uh i also think a big culprit of why the meta is like this and why it sucks so bad is kiriko True. kiriko enables tanks such a ridiculous amount like this roadhog is just straight unkillable right now because if you're a kiriko the best thing that you can do is just hard right click on your roadhog get that kitsune rush you're just pumping that out like you help your teammates as it happens anytime your roadhog gets in trouble you can just suzu him it pretty much makes anna redundant which takes anna out of the meta as well so like you're just like removing the number of heroes that you can play what because of how much kiriko enables the opposition team so um Kiriko has a lot of playmaking ability with the Suzu and like the direct healing. And I think that is sort of what I was talking about of like, if you give a support character too many abilities and too much playmaking, it actually makes it harder for everyone else to make plays and that kind of stuff. And I don't think that's how support is. And maybe that's an old way of thinking about the game, but that's just not how I think support is supposed to be. It's supposed to exist and enable, but I don't think it exists or enables right now. You just sort of die. So if they can find a way to like fix the balance of a couple of these other heroes, I think it would open up the game a lot more. Like I think the support lineup is actually in a pretty good spot. It's just the other heroes that I think are making them weak. Is Adeku, do you agree with that sentiment? Obviously you got the no, DPS I completely I completely agree with that. Like um especially in like higher ranks, if the enemy team like for for a tank, it's really good for you to have a Kiriko. If you have a Kiriko and the enemy team doesn't you're at a, like a really high advantage and then after that it just goes into like counterpicking what tank with what tank but 
support right now, if you don't have a Kiriko in high rank, you're just going to probably lose. So I agree with that. Mm -hmm. And I think, like, obviously trying to keep in perspective of, like, what the average player experiences as well, I still think that, like, I think Roadhog in particular, I tweeted this the other day where I was like, for for Overwatch to be good, Hog has to be bad. And I described mm -hmm. him as, like, the the video game Death Eater where he just, like, sucks the soul out of every lobby he's in, right? Because he's just, like... The problem even in like goal or plat is that it's the same thing. It's just that the input required to kill someone is so much lower than the same amount that you have to put in on a different tank, whether that's Reinhardt or Winston or even like Orisa or, or Sigma or anybody, right? Like it's just the, you hit the hook, you miss the hook, it doesn't matter, you wait eight seconds, you come back, you go again. Like it's like just the rinse repeat cycle. And that leads me to, to my question. How do you feel about removing all one shots except maybe Widowmaker? How do you make Roadhog viable at that point then? What do you do to him? Yeah, yeah. I don't have the immediate answer for every like character that's affected by it. Like maybe you can like like make his damage in a way that he can't just. So as we be stop. No, mm -hmm. delete Roadhog. Okay. I, yeah. I'm okay. Say, yeah. I'm you know, with you. Let's go. Let's go. I think yes. We. I, I just straight up. You cannot balance Roadhog. Roadhog is bad for Overwatch. I think he is a bad hero for the game elite roadhog from the game he is especially as we start introducing more heroes consistently every 18 weeks we're going to get a new hero the roster will grow to a place that you can start removing heroes and i will straight up be the first one to pull up my fucking pitchfork and say start deleting roadhog when it makes sense because i think they should just nerf him into the ground and then just delete him eventually i know there's roadhog stands out there who are like seething at their chairs right now who are like how dare custer say this but like straight up 90% of the entire game hates Roadhog because he's just not fun in any way for everyone else that is playing the game. So, and I don't know how you balance him. Like, SVB, you like, you're just saying, like, how do you fix Roadhog without just completely changing his kit? No, 100%. Well, what are the one shots in the game right now if we list them out? It's like the Roadhog, Hanzo, Sojourn, Widow, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Is that it? Uh, Technically, you could say like a Zen right click. Yeah, they've added a couple, like, there's a couple of soft ones, like, even, like, the Orisa Javelin into a wall right now is, like, kind Doom of, like, a well, one-shot. Like soft one. You yeah, call it right Doom as well. Yeah. I, but I think I'm okay with those. Like, it's the ones where it feels like you have very little counterplay, like, Roadhog. It's like, what am I supposed to do? Just not not walk around? Like, it, I, I think just Roadhog is by far the worst culprit, I think, for the one-shot, and I think a lot of people would agree that. They did a good job of fixing Doom one-shot um, with his move to tank. And I think that was a good idea, but I don't think you can do the same thing with Roadhog. I think they tried it where like the uh, the, the the shotgun wouldn't do enough oh, damage. Right like hard. the first hook, it's like a hook into a shot combo didn't kill at one point in one of the seasons back then. Yeah. And they just gave him like more ammo and like a faster fire rate. Um, he, that was Overwatch problem. 1 in a, different, in a different setting. Maybe that could be something to look at again. No, the thing is that the problem is that like the the hook and the, the 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 his gun are like at odds almost in terms of like if you're trying to balance him, because it's like either the, the hook, every eight seconds to be able to yoink someone into your team is even if you don't physically kill them yourself is already an insta kill right like hooking like even yeah. if you don't finish him someone's gonna finish him right if you yoink yeah. someone into your team, so it's like either you go okay well let's make the hook cool down longer, okay well now he's like sat there let's say twelve seconds like a fucking useless guy. But it's just his right click spamming away, right? How often, like, very rarely will a Roadhog actually, like, kill someone with... It's just, like, spamming a tanks then, right? Then he's just going to sit there, right-clicking right the enemy tank, then waiting 12 seconds, and if he misses that, then he's just, like, completely just a dumb character. So, 
Yeah, go down with Roadhog. I'm with Custa now. Yeah. I'm with Custa now. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I always, whenever I tweet anti-Roadhog propaganda, someone's always like, imagine only wanting tanks to play like Reinhardt and Winston, not accepting a different <laughs> form of play style. It's like, fuck off, dog. Like, this guy, just, this guy just makes everyone's life miserable, so. Let's be realistic. Roadhog is just DPS players who are like, ah, oh, DPS queues are too long. I'm just going to play Hog. Like, that's how 100%. all Roadhog mains began, right? 100%. Obviously, that doesn't exist in Overwatch 2. But, like, Roadhog is not a tank player. He, you are literally just playing, like, a fat Cassidy where you used to just, like, flashbang right-click people, like, back in the day. Like, that's what you're doing. Uh, so, I don't know. I just don't think he's good for the game. And I, I think there is no real way of balancing him, so... And, and at this point, as the host, I should I should offer a perspective that that gives balance and fairness. But fuck that shit. Fuck Roadhog. Get, <laughs> get him the fuck out of here. Get him the fuck out of here. Dude. Actually, I, I mean, I don't mind Roadhog as much. I'm actually I actually hate Widow and Sojourn more. Maybe it's because I'm I'm always in the backline and I'm the last priority for the most part. I play a lot safer out of his range. Yada yada yada. But I play a lot. Go ahead. Go ahead. Like still owns it. Go yeah. ahead, because that's also a you know perspective that's valid. So you you can have more problem with them in, in any sense that like you want them changed or you're just annoyed. I mean, uh, Rodog doesn't bug me as much. I mean, I mean, Sojourn and Widow. Oh, Sojourn and Widow. Yeah, it's like just just don't peek. Well, sorry, I can't play the game if I don't peek as Anna. <laughs> so like that's literally the worst. Like uh, those are those are the, those are those are the tougher tougher arguments for me. But Roadhog. I mean, people say like Anna's a bit. You don't really need her as much um, because of Kiriko and stuff. But like, I mean, for the most, for the majority of players, I think you can still play her into Roadhog. I still do it sometimes. My, my other support plays Kiriko. I'm sorry, I'm not playing Lucy. I'm just gonna play Anna if they run Roadhog, and it, generally it works out for me. Maybe it's because mm. I'm Omega biased and I have a lot of hours. And I know how to play around it, but still. Um, this yeah. is one of those things about like I guess proactive balancing as well. Is that I feel like a lot of the balancing has been quite reactive. Uh, in yeah. the sense that, like, they were like, we, when people were like, oh, Anna is like, because I remember the first beta, I think it was like Anna was really strong, and people, and like, she and Winston were like the most playmaking characters, right? And it was like, nerf Anna, like, her sleeps and nades are defining fights, so they like hit both cooldowns hard. And then, of course, they released Kiriko, who now just like dumpsters Anna. And obviously, if Kiriko was weaker, maybe it would be more of a, a matchup thing where it's like, oh, they happen to have a Kiriko, and I happen to be playing Anna, so it's bad for me. Which I'm not. I don't even agree with. Like I don't want that kind of game in the first place. But that would have been the case. But now with Kiriko being so dominant as a pick, it it's just like completely makes Ana redundant. And you, rather than being like, okay, we've added a cleanse. Let's proactively let's maybe buff Ana's cooldowns back. Because I think the nade and the sleep are like, they have such little impact now compared to like before, where like your the sleep it used like it used to be that you could land a sleep or a nade at the start of the fight, and it might actually just make a pick or like a kill. But it, they neither works anymore because by the time like your team can Suzu. react, like the, Suzu, or even if your team, even if they don't have a Suzu, like I feel like the it used to be that you could anti tanks at the start of a fight and it would be like a go button for your team where they're like, we can yeah. punish these tanks now. But like now it wears off. They don't even go down to like half HP by the time like the the nade wears off. So did they like, lower that, like. Go ahead. Yeah, they did. Did, did they? Oh, they did. Like how long it lasts? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, three seconds uh, now. It actually was, like, was five, I think, when the when Anna first came out. Then it went down to four for a long time, and now it's three seconds for the anti. Yeah, I definitely feel like that's way too low. Like I blink, and they're already on anti. You know. Yeah, I I would love to feel it where there isn't a Suzu as well, because like maybe I would like I could agree with that, but like for me, the bigger problem is just the Suzu right now. Like every time I play it, um, it just feels like it gets Suzu's off and stuff like that. So I think Kiriko is cool, and I think she's a fun hero for the game. But I think the way 
how she's enabled Roadhog is like one of those, like it's the biggest issue with Overwatch, right? Is that you introduce a new hero and you can't understand how that interaction is going to make something that you wouldn't expect just ridiculously strong. Um, but I do want to say as well, because uh, Captain Planet is a friend of mine, uh, those like people really should read those documents if you're really trying to talk about like balance of these heroes across all ranks and stuff like that. Looking at those um, unmatched win rates is like a really interesting thing of understanding are heroes actually overpowered? Because like uh, he, he said, and he's said it in this document, Symmetra is theoretically the best unmatched hero that exists in the game. Like she has like a 60% win rate or something like that because no one wants to play her. And there's like a ton of different like information about that where it's not always what you think. We just come to these assumptions uh, because of the niche of our rank, but there is a lot of information of why Blizzard doesn't nerf these things or doesn't change these things because they actually have a bad win rate when you like zoom out a little bit. But obviously the counterpoint that a lot of people have made in the community is like, well, but the statistics are... You know, there's a kind of feeling that statistics are unbiased, but they're not, right? Because Symmetra, the, the win rate obviously comes from the fact that she's being played on maps only when she's where she's good. Good or, and beneficial, yeah. Or yeah, the only people playing out, yeah. her are absolute specialists, right? So, like, the only people playing Symmetra are the people who are really good at Symmetra as opposed to someone who feels obliged to lock Sojourn because they think she's very strong, so they lock the Sojourn and they're bad, right? So those are Yeah, equalizes it back at 50% a little bit because mm -hmm. of the influx of... Mm -hmm, exactly. So like that yeah. is that not where the statistics are like also biased? Well, it's it's also like what I'm saying is you need to take both, and that's what what, mm. what I like I'm saying from Blizzard's perspective is they should be looking at these unmatched, and that's the reason they haven't nerfed Symmetra into the ground. Uh, unfortunately for me, I hate Symmetra. Um, but she, remove Symmetra. Uh, yeah, <laughs> let's just remove <laughs> one I'm, one I'm priority at a time, man. I can't <laughs> ride on this boat forever. I can't kick delete half the cast. <laughs> one priority at a time. Maybe one of these years we will. Uh, but like for for me, it's like you just need to use all the data, right? Like you can't just like you. So many people like to talk about these things, especially as we are like in some way the one percent, right? Where the people who are browsing Reddit, Twitter, we're interacting with the top end community, we're doing all that kind of stuff, Overwatch League, etc. Like it's so easy to enter into an echo chamber and feel like we've come to a conclusion that everyone can agree to, but that doesn't actually speak for the entire player base. Like 90% of the player base just doesn't interact with Twitter or Reddit about them playing Overwatch and stuff like that. So you need to keep in mind that Blizzard is trying to appease everyone and not just the very loud and vocal minority. Mm -hmm. I will, again, try and push back because I can hear Flats' voice in my head where he's like, yeah, but if you balance for all those guys, the game will go shit. You want to balance for the guys who are playing like the top end and then they will like kind of come down for the rest of the players. Is that how do you respond to that? Because you're because just because something is good for the top end, yes, there might be some players that is better for the lower end. But honestly, most of their money comes from the lower end. So you're expecting Blizzard True. to balance around the the ten percent who are spending a good amount of money, but ignoring the ninety percent. There's a lot of people who just won't play the game if you like change these certain things um obviously there's like a couple of like pain points when we talk about it, like this is for the lower end and not for the top end but i did i i, I agree with flats i am 100 percent someone who especially when i was a player was like heck the casuals i don't give a shit about them you know balance for competitive that's the thing that matters we will make the listen to us we'll make the game fun we'll make it good we'll make it balanced and then everyone else can 
you know, enjoy the fruits of our labor. But that's not always true because casuals don't always find what we find fun. Kark, you and that's yeah. No, go ahead, Kark, to finish, your, finish your sentiment. No, no, you're good. Okay, Kark, you. I got nothing to add to that. That was pretty. Okay. You you have to balance. Well, you can. Okay, maybe there's a small thing to add. Yeah. <laughs> the balance has to be. You do have to balance top down always, in my opinion. But you can find ways to to represent the the skill ceiling and skill floor a little bit differently, so the lower players aren't impacted, but the higher end players will, you know hopefully feel things that were oppressive are not as oppressive anymore, but the lower rank has no effect down there. And that's like the way to balance. You do go top down, yeah. but find a way in the hero's kit to tune things where the skill ceiling might be lowered or, or, or high. I, I always get those terms a little bit mixed up, but you, you know what I'm trying to get at, yeah, right? Yeah, well, yeah. the skill ceiling can stay, but the value floor is because the skill floor should not be lowered, but the value floor could be lowered potentially, right? Where it's like, yeah, what yeah, get, yeah. What you get is high. Wait, no, I disagree. Where, that's the trick. Isn't it the ceiling or, you want to be lowered? Because that's the issue. Like, let's use Sojourn as an example, right? And like, yeah. people have talked about the damage fall off, right? Is if you reduce, uh, if you inc introduce damage fall off on the rail, all of a sudden that really only affects the top end because I don't know how many 360 no scopes my silvers are hitting from across the map. So it's like that would hurt the high end players of like and reduce her effectiveness, but yeah, not but affecting the lower ranks. Yeah. yeah. That doesn't, no, so what Actually, we're talking about, so, so just to define these terms, because we had this little incident in the last podcast as well. So skill floor would be this is how much skill it takes to get like the baseline value of the hero. Value. Skill yeah. ceiling would be. This is what the like. This is what you need to do to get absolute full value of the hero. And then there's so the value better you floor. add a hero, the the more you can extract from them. That's like the well, that's the kit. Thing. But then there's value because you need to add skill and value. So value floor would be what? How much value do you get playing at the floor, right? So if you're just like just locking in and and I don't know holding right click on Mora, how much value does that get versus the value ceiling so again like is there a very high skill ceiling on Mora? no and what's the what what do you get in terms of value at that ceiling so those are like two terms that need to go hand in hand so like i think what we're saying is we want the skill ceiling to be high for sojourn but the value ceiling shouldn't be like so disproportionate that you're just like dominating games like you can still be a, a tough character to play but not give so much value that it's like impossible to match but uh, no, I think you want the skill ceiling lower, right? Because like, that's the issue that we're running into when you have a player like proper playing the game. The ceiling is too high because of like how much you can accomplish with this hero. So the ceiling needs to be lower because that won't affect the lower ranks, which Blizzard has said, Sojourn's not that good in the lower ranks. So it won't affect the lower ranks, but it will hurt the higher ranks when you start reducing that ceiling. Yeah, I agree with the value. That's more to do with Moira of like her value because of a floor is too high mm -hmm. yeah and the yeah, ceiling yeah, of certain you. heroes is too high for for sojourn it's disproportionately too high compared to other heroes yeah. it feels mm -hmm. weird to like nerf a skill representation like skill to, to nerf good players in a sense but like it's just too disproportionately high on sojourn where like it's 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 too much you know what i mean yeah. um also fun fact there is fall off damage on sojourn it's just so big that it doesn't really matter Oh, if really? you guys didn't know what? yeah i tested it I it's 70 meters it's 70 meters that's so far 70 away. meters is like so that's that's like widow's fall off range like and nobody even yeah. realizes widow has fall off now it's because 70 well, meters like, the only map where it matters is fucking havana and fuck havana <laughs> havana junker town yeah. you know junker town on like first where someone's oh, on like yeah, the coast yeah, yeah. and then someone's yeah. like on the really far back that's like close to 70 meters who's actually like 
using Sojourn, railing people from that far from there to there. Not that often. Widows hardly ever. Well, I mean, I guess they do duel there. And the other one is uh, that I can think of is uh, Elios Ruins on the top yeah, of with like the two things. Yeah. Th- where the mega is in the middle, like the end to end there. But why is Sojourn playing there? You know, shooting yeah. another Sojourn there. You, you want to actually like. Can you even hit fire headshot from that far? I swear it's just like one big pixel at that range. Just like. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I yeah, mean, I, feel I think. Like she, go ahead, Deku. Go ahead. Oh, oh, I feel like she's very like high reward and low risk for like yeah. her one shot. Yeah. Like Widow, yeah. you at least have to stand still and charge up your shot, and you have to hold an angle or whatever. But her, you're vulnerable. You are vulnerable. Yeah, yeah you're vulnerable. But her, like, she just charges it off of a hog and jumps in and just one shots your support without you even blinking. Like, it's a little. And then bam, she has her cooldown back and she's out. And she yeah, has to drop the shot to protect herself as well. Like disruptor shot is low key obnoxious yeah. as hell, dude. Disruptor shot literally just stops you from like existing in certain positions, and it does because there's so much damage. It does like, fights off flankers, damage. and you don't take self damage. Like when if you're trying to as like a Winston or a Genji, you want to like actually dive in. You can shoot on the ground, and if you stand in it, you're gonna take 210 damage over like four seconds. The worst thing I've had like, like uh, is when in the, when I was playing support car. I don't know if you agree, like. You can like, cause you know your thing was like, just don't peek, Kazana. Cause like I can, I, sometimes I was like literally hiding. I'm like I'm hiding from the Siren. And then she drops the fucking disruptor shot at that corner, and now I have yeah. two choices: die in the you corner to slowly to disruptor shot, or or peek out and die to her face. Yeah, that's part of like the six things of the the high skill representation of her, where you know you can do so many ways to the skill expression that's the way word i was looking for the expressions there's too many things that you can express your skill with precision on the railgun good tracking on the primary fire good movement on the slide because there's a lot of tech with that mastering that movement you getting perfect angles on the disruptor orb it slows and decision making on that force there's like six parts of her kit that is, makes the ceiling way too high in this hero where like it's just disproportionately way too good like we have proper just dominating everybody um and like there's no there's no match for that hero i mean Mm -hmm. yeah and i mean obviously sojourn is like a very outlier i think i I think sojourn might be the strongest solo queue character we've ever had maybe in in overwatch like i don't think we've ever been a character like the only thing i can think would be like moth mercy but moth mercy didn't decide the game in that sense right i'm thinking launch echo now launch Launch echo Echo was kind of ridiculous at the time as well Mm. But yeah, I'm definitely trying, up I'm there. I remember. I don't feel like Launch Echo was so do- like picked dominantly though, was she? I can't remember. I just remember hating Echo because that's when her <laughs> ultimate. Remember when they could like throw like three diva bombs in an ultimate oh, and stuff yeah, like yeah, that, yeah. and it had like seven hundred health and stuff. Like, uh, but yeah, Cause like because no. like La- yeah, because I know people are gonna say Launch Brig, but Launch Brig wasn't dominating ladder. Like Launch Brig yeah. wasn't like winning games. It was just pro play and stuff that was like Launch Brig. But in terms of like, I don't think I can't remember. Maybe Echo, but like. I can it's also compounded with 5v5, right? Yeah. With like you, you think about it that way. Yeah, maybe launch brick wasn't as good, but if you put launch brick stats in a 5v5 setting now, like, yeah, okay, no. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, what, her shield, what was the original shield HP? It was something nuts from what I remember. 600. And you could one shot tracers with the combo. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. it was it, like, it really was only like when it came out, it was just like, you just can't play tracer. But people didn't really know the full effectiveness of it, like at the time. And that's the thing, like, we, there is a history of, like, you do, you, you do want your new heroes to be good, right? You don't want them mm. to be bad. You want people to play them. And they're always a little bit broken. We always tone them back. Like, in Sig Shield, I remember, like, Sig went through so many nerfs. Like, launch Sig had, like, what, 1600 shield. He could insta-flick it. 
the flux mm-hmm. wasn't interruptible right you feel yep. like oh, uh, the yeah, comical right. the comical oh, thing yeah. of like you would sleep the sig and his thing was still going on like he's just, like <laughs> napping and he's still fucking you over so it's the like suck <laughs> you could like block like roadhog hooks and stuff with the suck you couldn't stun him out of it or anything oh, yeah in that specific thing yeah there's a lot of things with release sig that were also a problem but hey let's be honest her is gonna be fucking busted well you know, i don't we know just though gotta mentally i don't prepare. know about that. really i don't know about that because because as the tank like as a new return to tank main I always think if this guy can't move though, he just gets pounded by all the ten things that pound tanks, right? It's like he just he doesn't have mobility. So like when when they pick like Echo Farah or they just pick like even Sojourn like at that range, like what are you gonna do? You put your one yeah. shield up and then they just slide past it and then what? I guess I and, guess I'm like looking at it in such a niche pass. Sorry, no, you guys. I would no no just, it, that's that's kind of by the by. We don't I don't I don't really want to get into theory crafting on a hero that isn't out yet. Um, yeah. I do want to uh, dwell a little bit on the point you made, Custa, about, you know, like, at the end of the day, who's playing the game and, and where's the money coming from? Because this is, like, a bitter pill that probably most of us have to swallow. Because, again, he- here's the thing. Even if you are listening to this podcast and you're bronze or you're gold or you're silver or whatever you are, you're still already in the, like, small percent, right? Because of the very nature of the fact that you're listening to this podcast and you're engaging in, like, discussions about the game at, at this kind of deep level, although we're pretty stupid. Um it's like you like at the end of the day the average consumer will watch logs in for like a couple hours in, in the weekend doesn't consume reddit doesn't consume youtube content or twitch content plays a bit and logs off and like as content creators like there's a lot of frustration that comes and i 100 percent feel this like i felt this yesterday or i was just like oh, this is so annoying it's so frustrating it feels like the experience of someone who plays this game i don't know four hours a day even not even that like even even less than that let's say someone who plays like 10 hours a week is is largely secondary to someone who plays a couple hours a week but is the in terms of number the greater portion but then when you look at the decisions that get made that it makes sense right like you think about for example i was thinking <clears> about like the map pools uh, i know deku you've been a, a big anti-map pool person and it's like well you, on the face of it you're like why 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 stop the map pools like why why stop players from playing them all the maps that you have but then you realize well yeah but remember that for the majority of players especially if they're new they all the maps are new to them right like all the maps are new and if they're returning after a long time there's already like four or five new maps so if you give them the full roster of all the maps every single game they're gonna be like i don't know this map where am i going like you know because we have that when we get a new map we're like where are you go i don't even know on this map uh, is there a mega here what and they, like that would be the experience for those players all the time right where they're not never getting to learn the map so narrowing the map pool means that for the players who don't play that much they actually get time and then it's the same thing when you think about the balance right obviously i know they've had technical issues with the patch right the patch wanted to go out sooner and it couldn't but even when you think about like well why is this mid-season patch and then an end of season patch like why not patches every week because that's what we were getting in the beta right in the beta we got patches like all every few days and it felt like we were being listened to all the time where it was like guys i don't know about supports oh you're worried about supports uh here's a snap kick uh and bap has like a big burst heal now okay and mercy you know what here's the third super jump iteration of mercy please play support don't you like supports now but that was because I think we- that was more of a logistical thing wasn't it just because like yeah. if it's pc only they can just iterate and just push out a build instantly but because they, it's a live service game across all the consoles they had there's True. just logistical like setbacks that's gonna stop that from happening that's yeah. true and that's a very good point actually something that a lot of us forget myself included about console practicalities but even i think if they could i don't think they would because i think that like that was for mm. the beta was for like a set group of people again the, the sort of core like who's going to play the beta the core engaged community 
Whereas again, like the, the danger of patching too often for a normal player is you turn in, you played once a week, you log in and it's like something's new. And you're like, what the hell? They changed this guy? Sojourn doesn't one-shot anymore? What? Like, uh, last week she did, and now she doesn't? Oh, and they switched, they deleted Roadhog? What is this? I was just starting to get good at this hero. So it's like, if you start patching every week as well, I think it like adds to that whole, this is overwhelming for a new player or someone who doesn't play that often. Whereas we play like, you know, some of us play like eight hours a day or something. Not me, but... So we consume in a week what someone might consume in a season. Mm. And so for us, like the frustrations compound very quickly where it's like, because again, in like two days, I'm like, I'm sick of this Roadhog shit, dog. I'm sick of this getting hooked every day. But for a normal player, they're just like, they don't feel it because they, they, they don't have that every single game, every single day. I still Ready? think, uh, oh, you can go. No, you good, okay. Oh, okay. I still think, going back to map pools, there isn't like too many amount of maps where like a new player would would feel like, oh, uh, I don't know this map. Like, I feel like, you know, you're a completely new player. All the maps are going to be new to you anyway, and you're going to eventually start learning all the maps. And Blizzard's going to release new maps anyway, and you're going to eventually have to learn that map too. So I just feel like right now the map pool is so like small i just get the same map over and over and over again oh, but like yesterday for some reason i didn't get um paraisu at all until one, one one time at the end of the day and i was like that that was weird for eight hours i played and i didn't get that map so i don't know it feels like very redundant very repetitive with this map pool like if everything was if all the maps were in i feel like there would probably be like different comps you could play in other specific maps that aren't in there right now so it would at least make it more refreshing you know for the players yeah but again that's for the that's for the person grinding the game again like how many what's the number of maps that we have 10 in the pool uh, what in the no pool, in the current like pool was 25 no there's no 25 i think it's nah, somewhere dog. in the middle i think it's like i think it's like 14 or 16 okay. no but, i'm okay. pretty sure well, it's over got, 20 we got three push. How many hybrids we got? We got Kings Roy, Hollywood. Five. five hybrids in the map right now? There's like five in all the other ones plus three push. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's like. Maybe like 18? And then when you do control, there's three maps in one. That don't count. That don't count. Asterix. Padding the stats. Padding the stats. Somebody do the, somebody do the numbers. That was this fucking ad block on this side, dog. What the fuck? Uh, there's 36 maps in Overwatch too, total. Yeah, but the, you got to take two CP out off the rip, right? Yeah. yeah and yeah. are you counting DM maps as well? Bonnie's 19, 19. Okay, it says eight, 19. Someone in chat said 18. I just counted on this thing. 19. Like 19 maps is to us not a lot because we've lived and breathed most of them. There's like four or five new to us. But when you look yeah. at other games like Valorant, do you play Valorant or, or CSGO? Like the pool is they limit. I think they removed a split. I don't know if yeah. I haven't played Valorant in a while, but they removed split for a while because they thought it was too many maps for people and they had less than 10. Well, yeah, there needs again, to be more like... complexity with those maps though, right? Like yeah, I, mm. I, I, I agree with you that like it's definitely less maps. CSGO does the same thing. They only do like a five or six map rotation just because like there's a lot of like, you know, people need to learn lineups and people need to do that kind of stuff. And I also think uh fundamentally as a whole w a lot of people make this uh comparison to like valorant or csgo those games are literally designed to be competitive you don't play those games as a casual for the most part while i think overwatch like remember like 
I don't know if the number's still true. It probably is with Overwatch 2. There are more console players than PC players. Um, like, the, I know that was a number in the past. So it's like, we sort of take for granted how casual our uh, audience is. So it goes back yeah. to what SBB was saying of like, I, I agree, like, they're not designing the the experience for people who play as much Overwatch as we do, right? Like, they're doing it for the people who are probably going to play, like, six hours of Overwatch max in a week, right? Like, so, I, I, I agree with the map pool. It gets stale very quickly. It used to be worse when 2CP existed. Um, but I, I, I don't see them removing map pools anytime soon or increasing no, the number. Because, again, like, if you think 17, and again, like, yeah, let's say six hours a week, you know, because what's the normal person? Like, let's say the normal working Joe is like, you know, maybe not even going to play on the weekdays, only going to tune in a few hours on the weekend. So, yeah, like, let's say six hours or somewhere along that line. 17 maps is way more than what you get in one session. Like, in one that combined that weekend, you're never going to get through all of them, right? Okay, sometimes it repeats on the days, and we know how that works. But, like, you might be playing a new map almost every every time, right? And you might never even... Mm technically see the same map more than a couple times so i hate it don't get me wrong i hate it i get bored i'm mm -hmm. like new queen street again bro i just played this like what the fuck but again this is what this is the bitter pill right this is where like i really have to try and separate me the player versus me the like human who enjoys overwatch who enjoys the consumption and, and like just the general environment of overwatch Whereas, like, when I'm playing yesterday, I'm like, oh, I fucking hate this game i hate everyone associated <laughs> with this game like I, I i want out of it i want out of it and then you like take a step back and you're like, oh, you know, it's a pretty fun game we'll watch. But like, yeah, there's a lot of people playing this game. Actually, they're having a good time because that's the normal experience. Yeah. You, you still convinced or not convinced Deku or like, how do you feel? I don't know. It just feels like even though there's, you say, 19 maps, um, it doesn't feel like I'm playing 19 different maps. Obviously, you just like it feels like it repeats a lot of maps more than others for some reason especially the push maps but i don't know i still think they need to add all the maps i think the push map thing was actually like a i actually think they did weight it heavier earlier on it feels like they've removed it now but oh yeah. like for sure they wouldn't they'll never admit it but like oh my god the amount of times you'd get pushed in the first i think before the mid balance patch maybe they they removed the weighting but for sure they weighted that heavier i i i I refuse to believe otherwise. I, I probably should have actually tracked the times I played that map versus other stuff, but man. It was awful. 100%. Yeah. It, was like, it was like push, control, some other mode. Push, control, some other mode. Push, like, and it was, was worse because like, there was only two of them as well. It was fucking Colosseo and New Queen Street, and like yes. I hate Colosseo with a passion. <laughs> so it's like, it was, it was real bad. 100%. And that also compounds the support problem because those are modes where supports are bad. Or mm. it, like harder to you know harder to make work like you know you playing push like support you're getting flanked from ten angles you got to watch your behind all the time. So it you can like also go into like the whole the push math or something. I saw some guy's math video essay on it. It was on my recommended feed. I don't know if you saw that video, but um, the TLDR was that obviously I think I mean Custa you cover the league. I think they mentioned the, the statistics on which teams win when they push first I'm, i don't know if you can recall what the number is they didn't mention the video but i was it's just very gonna high start there. it's you... like seven uh what, are you talking when you get the checkpoint first yeah or like what what's the advantage of a, of the team like what's their average win rate i, think, I suppose or what, I think whatever was, stat they spat out if you got the checkpoint first then you had a 70 percent chance of winning i think it was um mm -hmm. 
I will say, because I remember reading the I remember reading that article and I was like, well, yeah, that's like saying in two CP, if I full if I get two points, then we have a 70% chance of winning. It's like, yeah, it's mm. it's pretty hard to do it, especially on New Queen Street um and Coliseo, especially getting that first checkpoint is just absolutely awful. So it's like it made sense uh with those maps, but then like that stat wouldn't hold up on um Esperanza at all because it's so easy to get the first cap on that map compared to like Coliseo and stuff like that. So mm. I don't know. I like I think push is massively overblown. I actually enjoy playing push. Maybe I'm like so do I. one so of the few. I. I, I, I think I, there's some good games on there. I've had some good matches. <laughs> I think it's a map problem while Costa dies. Yeah. Oh no, it's a it's a game mode problem by design. Well the whole like a team that captures like two CP first might have an advantage or win whatever stats. But like the thing about two CP is both teams get a chance and flip sides where it's even. But the I think the math yeah. comes out where the problem with push is the first team that like wins, there's like that dead time for the robot to like travel back to the neutral position in which the the team that lost first has to win like an extra fight to make up for that neutral distance where they're not making any progress anyways, whether the robot pushes back. And that's where the problem lies. I think he said it was like 20 sec. Like the first team pushes past the first checkpoint. It's like 25 seconds for it to even begin pushing again. And in that 25 seconds, they can get another team fight. The team comes back. Even if you like push it back and you win, you know what I mean? Like that, yeah, it's that yeah. small stretch um, each time that it has to travel between, which is, which is causing like, which is making it feel bad. Yeah. Well, it's like, it, it feels bad when you, win that, when you win that fight, right? And then you, like, you're trying to push it back, and then you just don't get any progress, and they push it back, and you're like, well, that's... Because you have to sweet. win again. Well, yeah, 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 you yeah, yeah. Two times in a row, yeah. And it goes back I, to what Deku said with the, uh, the ultimates. Like, ultimates are king in Overwatch 2 in a lot of ways. So if you have to use two ultimates, they'll usually come yeah. back with more than you in the next one. Yeah, exactly. You have to expend it. It's very hard to win back-to-back -back fights because you're expending so many resources in the first one. And then if the other team just concedes it and then they save their alts, then they come back and yeah, yeah blast like you with alts. It's something we discussed on the podcast as well, but it's like the the, the mm. problem with push is that it sells you a lie. Like not all fights are equal on push, right? It's like sold as like this map yep. where it's like just fight everywhere. It's interactive and engaging, but it's like actually no. Like just there's like it's where you fight. Like that is the king of everything. Like you can afford to give it all as long as you stop them before they overtake the lead. And then if you fight there and you pump all your ultimates there, you're going to get all the way back to your side. And then you can afford to throw some fights there. So, like, not all fights are equal on push. And sometimes mm. you actually don't even want to push. Like, you want to let the car, like, the bot stay. You want to just hold a position rather than fight, like, rather than push forwards in the, in the interest of getting the bot further. You want to, like, no, no, let's fight here where it's better and safer. So, it's, like, it's a very complicated mode. But I do think it, it was compounded by the badness of Coliseo. And New Queenster is okay. I think each bronze is a great map. Yeah. I love playing each bronze. So, like, I think if they make more maps like that, I think that the push, like, issues will ease. They just need more push maps, right? Mm -hmm. More more mm -hmm. sample size and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, so... Because what's the... Go ahead. What's the new map? The new map's... Hybrid. Escort. No, Escort, Escort, Escort. escort. Yeah, yeah, the Shambali yeah. one, right? It's Escort, yeah. Yeah, yeah, So, that, it'll be cool to have a new Escort map coming. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, so we've talked a lot about the other roles. For once, there's not much tank representation. I want to talk about a little bit about tank, because I was... Hate tanks. Fair. Me too. Yeah, fuck um, you guys. Yeah, yeah, sorry. I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. I see how... I feel how it is. I feel... See, this is, I, I don't really associate with any role per se anymore, because I flex so much. Like I, I'm like, yeah, I get what supports are angry about. I get what, what tanks are angry about. I don't give a fuck what hit scans are angry about, though. Like, that's one thing. I swear, <laughs> I swear to God. You guys can, can, go, can go eat, you know, stuff it. But, like... um. 
there's like there's the rat I was gonna go on earlier, but the counterpicking, the counterpicking around tank. I hate the easiest thing, to, the easiest way to win a game of Overwatch two right now is counterpick their tank until they don't want to play the game anymore. It's literally <laughs> like yeah. the easiest way to win, and it's really really frustrating. I, Cause I feel like I was yelling in the ether when they announced. Cause I think that one of the biggest contributors is the thirty percent old chart swap. Because the problem yeah. is that like it basically takes away the normal punishment of trying to counterpick someone, right? Now I'm not I'm anti counterpicking in the first place. I, I don't necessarily want to go on that huge rant right now, but even putting that to the side, right? It's just really fucking annoying. Where it's just like it just turns the game into something else. Where it's like, for example, I'm playing tanker all right now. I want to play Winston. I'll start Winston. They lose the first fight. They go Roadhog. I have to now either like switch off Winston or just feed, right? And that now the problem is, so the, the argument for the 30% change was like, oh, it's it's not punishing people who are not swapping, it's softening counter-swapping. It's just softening the blow. I actually feel like what it's done is punish the person who wins the first fight in a way. Because it, what, what happens is you go in, let's again, I go Winston. I win the first fight with my team. This happens 9 out of 10 games, I swear to God, I, I win the first fight with Winston, they go Roadhog Reaper. Ordinarily, I can say, well, I've now leveraged the first fight to get 30, 40% ult charge. So I've got some advantage on them. So even if they've gone back and now picked more optimal picks, I've got this advantage I can leverage. That doesn't exist anymore because they go back to spawn and they keep the 30% that they built just poking randomly and losing that fight. Now they come back with a pick that just beats my pick, right? And this is the other gripe with the counterpicking is that it's not really... Okay, I'm going on this fucking rant. Counterpicking is not fucking skillful. Okay, because it's not about like adjusting or attuning to the situation. It's literally just my hero beats your hero, right? And that's the problem with it. It's just like literally, Hog Reaper just beats Winston, or like you know they have Doom, I pick Sombra. They have Ball, I pick Sombra. Whatever it is, right? When you're just like my character stops your character from winning the game, you should swap now, or your character is useless, right? That's not skillful to me because the skill of like switch, like let's say adapting your pick to the situation, comes in the map select screen. When you, when you load into the map, you're like, okay, this map has a lot of chokes. Let me pick like Ryan or Junkrat, whatever. This map has a great hitbox. Let me pick Farah. This map has verticality. I'm going to pick like Winston. This map has long sightlines. I'm going to pick Widow. Then when you add counter swapping, all you're doing is just like ruining all of that in favor of like this hero is now beating your hero. Whatever the situation, whatever the map, my hero beats your hero. So like to me, that's like far less skill. Then being like, okay, this is the this is what this map requires. This is what this map favors. Let me make that work. And the other problem with the counter swapping is basically it ends up defaulting to the most boring meta, right? Because what what you end up having to default to is swapping to the tank because I think it's most prominent with the tank right now. But this would apply to any role. What you end up having to swap to is the hero that gets countered the least. This is why Zarya was yeah. so strong in the first balance patch because she just it was really hard as the tank to counter pick against the Zarya. The best you could you do was go it. monkey. Yeah, the best you could do was go monkey, but even that wasn't like, you know, you weren't beating the Zarya, you were just like not dying so easily to the Zarya, right? So either you mirror the pick or you just default to the thing that like, you know, doesn't get countered too hard, right? It's like eventually you play the musical chairs and everybody's playing Roadhog or everybody's playing Orisa or every, you know, whatever it is, like it's basically forcing you to, to default to the most boring thing, to the thing that gets countered the least. This is how we got double shield, right? Because the pros, I know you know this custom, like this is what the pros do before the game starts, right? Where they're like, I'm not going to pick this comp because if we pick this comp, they'll go pick that comp. So let's just stop all the musical chairs. We'll just pick the like, the agreed hard meta that doesn't get countered. 
Well, that's goats in a nutshell, right? Like what happened is there were comps that beat goats on certain maps on certain points and that kind of stuff. But what would happen is if you didn't start goats and then as soon as you lose that fight of like, let's say you're holding first point Dorado with a Pharah, right? If you lose the first point, then you just lose because they have ults. They're going to roll through you. You're going to want to switch and then you're going to stuck with no ultimates and they're going to win like three fights for free. So it's like, it's a big thing that's always been a part of Overwatch DNA of like, they've wanted to incentivize people to switch, but it's never been good. And as you said, adding this 30% ult charge has sort of like made it easier to counter swap. And as you said, it's not super big brain intellectualism to be like, oh, they're playing Winston. I'm just going to go Roadhog and then just hook him and kill him every time. Like that's an easy thing that you can learn in one game. And then you can just reapply to every game you play after that. Yeah, I don't want to keep ranting, so I want to let them chime in, Karki or Deku, if you got anything to say before I go off on some more. No, I agree with the 30% being really bad for the game. I agree with that. It feels, like you said, it's just counter-swapping for tanks all the time. Like, you'll roll first fight, and they'll just swap, and you'll lose the game. Or unless you switch and counter-swap again. Like, it sucks. I think... I don't actually agree with like counter swapping is no skill. I think it requires like maybe in 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 ranked it's it's coin flip because maybe the the hero that counters it isn't played by that person. In the Overwatch League where being flexible is part of like the package of the player you get, I think it could be quite valuable. Um is that counter swapping that or is that said, just hero pool though? Those are different things. Well, that's the thing. You don't know what kind of hero pool each teammate gets in, in ranked, right? So, like, it is... Maybe it is less skill, because it's just a bit of RNG. It's like, oh, we need a... They have a ball? Okay, do we have a Sombra player? Everyone's like, I don't play Sombra. It's like, oh. <laughs> okay. Just hack them, bro. How hard is it? <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. I've Personally, I, I never minded the, 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 the hero swapping. Like, for me, if I'm playing Ana, but, like, my team needs a Lucio, it's like... Part of my job is to be skillful enough to be able to switch to Lucio and still get good value. And I've found that to be okay for me. Um, not because like I, I'm bad at Lucio, don't get me wrong, but it's just like it, 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 it forces me to like get good with more stuff. So I have to be more skillful in order to be able to switch heroes, if that makes any sense. In order to swap, I need to be adept at all these, this pool, this, this hero pool. Like having a hero pool is, is skill. Mm -hmm. don't you think or no like no, being, so, being so, proficient so in many different facets of the game like being mm -hmm. being a good decision maker on lucio learning how to wall ride and then being good at ana having good aim and then like being flexible is skillful i i agree so here's what here's what i would say i would say that being okay. flexible is a skill on of it like it's already rewarding itself you don't need to further reward yeah. it right so again like what i spoke about with like let's say map selection right if you are someone who's capable of flexing from ana and lucio you can adapt your pick to the map based on what like what the situation demands right or even in a yeah. certain game if we had like a you know at the starting screen you can be like okay i actually have a reinhardt player so let me like let me pick lucio this map so that i can the problem with the counter picking is that it, it it's not the skill based on the situation again it's just based on they pick that i will pick this now to me that's not really game like you could teach that person in the fucking you could write it down on a piece of paper and hand it to someone and be like just pick this when they pick that that's not knowledge to me like knowledge is play your hero better Right, like they're doing this, play your hero different. Like do this with your hero. And personally as well, I would rather see people like I see I'd rather see a lobby of ten people who are all playing their best version of the hero they like the heroes or the hero they like to play, 
versus 10 people who are like, I've just counter swapped that guy. And I'm mm. average, I'm mediocrely playing this guy because he's better than that guy. But it gets right. more value. Well, yeah, that's where the problem therein lies. Like Asombra, yeah, well, all you do is like hold hack. Like the, 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 the baseline requirement to even just get so much, you just get so much more value by just press it, like not even being good at Asombra, but you just simply win because it's a, it's a counter to that hero, which is, I understand. Like I, I agree with you where in a perfect world, if they swapped to a hero that does better, you could outplay it by just simply, you know, being more skilled at the hero and adjusting your play style and adapting to that with your suboptimal pick. That, is that what you're trying to allude to, or am I like? Yeah, like I, I, I'm okay with like soft counters, right? I'm okay with like, okay, this yeah. hero has a better matchup than this hero. But what's really what's yes. being problematic, I think, in Overwatch Two right now is how it's it's compound, it's compounded, right? One, I think that like, despite what they said, there's a lot of hard counters in the game. And yes. two, yeah, now, hard counters are a problem. Hard yeah. counters, mm -hmm. I agree. And two, now being able to find those hard counters quicker is like a problem, right? Because like you can. You can access those more easily uh, rather than normal the normal punishment which is you lose some of your ult getting to keep that again it's like punishing the person again i feel like it genuinely is punishing the person who wins the first fight because you the the normal thing you leverage of ult charge is gone and they in fact they get to come back for the second fight with the better pick and the same ult charge basically right that's the problem yeah so like I, yeah I yeah, because like I I agree like I but I the thing I wanted to say is didn't Blizzard am I making this up that Blizzard came out and they said that they're trying to re release less hard counters within the yeah. game? No, yeah, they, yeah, they, yeah, they yeah, said they that. They did say that, right? So it's like I, I it's yet to be seen, but yeah, like because like absolutely there are hard counters that exist. Whenever Sombra is just going to exist in the game, it's going to hurt Doomfist and Wrecking Ball. Whenever you know Winston exists, Reaper, anyone with a shotgun is going to hurt Winston uh, for the most part. So. It'd be inter I'm interested to see how they're going to go in that direction, but for right now, I agree, it doesn't exist. Like, especially within tanks, like, I thought the 30% damage um, swap was actually kind of interesting for DPS because I don't think there are as many hard, hard counters other than, like, Sombra. But for tanks, I think because there is only one of you and there is, like, it is probably the most honest 1v1 matchup that exists in Overwatch 2, that like a hard counter just does just fuck over another tank like Winston and Roadhog and stuff like that. So I don't know. I'm kind of curious to see. I think if they removed it from tank and support, I think it would be fine and just leave it yeah. DPS and give DPS. Well, I guess they have another passive, so just sort of like leave it because I, I think yeah. that's fine. I think you're right. I think it's actually just. Uh, I think it's amplified in the tank role specifically for the problem. SV, you're mentioning the Roadhog and Winston matchup. I don't really feel. The whole counters like if i'm going to pick a support it's not to counter the enemy's support maybe sometimes for a specific dps like maybe a flyer like pharah or or echo i will play ana or baptiste or at least pressure them a little bit other, but other than that i usually choose my supports based on my tank first and if their tank is a problem then maybe i'll make a slight adjustment for that but it's for the like like i said there's only one tank so like that pure 1v1 matchup when they're like facing each other up front trying to like take space from each other like the whole counter picking in that regard is 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 huge and then the dps have a different role where like they also pick to counter that that single tank they're they're the one getting getting th all the stones thrown at right now yeah it's like the flip side of what you guys mentioned earlier because you were like oh if the tank or the sojourn is diffing then it's gg but on the having played the tank a lot now as well like the flip side of that is like everyone's trying to make your life miserable like the minute yeah. you, you're like doing well, like they're like, I will pick the things that destroy you. And I, again, it's like, 
it's not that they played smarter around what you were doing. They're just like, my hero stops your hero existing. So I agree. Like, I think it could be fine on DPS, but then you have to tone back or, or just not create tank buster heroes like Sombra Reaper, right? Who's like, who thrives specifically on like just murdering X role. Because obviously, like, you guys aren't getting hard countered on support a lot, right? It's not very rare, I think, if someone would be like, Sojourn. Yeah, no, but I don't think they're going to be like, I don't think they're going to be like, yeah, yeah, no, 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 I get that. But what I'm saying is, I don't think anyone's ever going to be like, man, they got a Lucio, I got to swap to X to counter the Lucio, right? Like, that's not happening. Yeah, yeah. But, like, it is most definitely happening for the tank. And I do see it as a genuine problem because I think that, like, if you're going to say the one tank is like this star role, like, everyone, like, all the pressure is on this guy. And then you're like, well, let's make the game about screwing this guy over. Like, you're gonna like alienate that role again. And this again, anytime you buff Roadhog, all the Roadhog mains appear, and they're like, lol, lol, yeah. lol, let me run around with the fucking. <laughs> tank, tank, if we could place like a value on the piece, like your your tank is like your queen, and like everybody else is like you know the I don't know the bishops or knights or whatever. Like you're the really tank has the highest HP pool. No, I'm terrible at the game. Uh, there's a. <laughs> I just like to use it as like a more tactical way to like, you know, metaphorically explain some things. But, you know, your tank is the most valuable piece. Like if you if you trade one for one and it's like your tank for their like, I don't know, their Lucio, what's more valuable? You could still because your your tank is still alive on the other team. Like you can take more space and you can you, you can do a lot more. The one for one is not equal in that yeah. regard. 100 percent. The one thing I like so the tanks get picked on. Yeah. Because the one I know, I, I already anticipate the counter argument is going to come where people are going to be like, well, SVB, what if they run Farah and you don't have anything that shoots up? Now what? Checkmate, bitch. It's like, yeah, but the problem with that, like the, the problem there is not to do with counter swapping and the need for counter swapping. The, the problem is, this is another slight tangent. This is nothing really to do with season one, but I'm on one right now. It's the problem of like the first fight in Overwatch is a lottery. Cause you don't know what they're gonna like you're guessing like or you don't even guess you just play and then you turn up and you both meet in the middle and you're like oh shit we don't have anything that shoots up and they have a farah now like and, and the problem is like that can already cost you on certain maps like a lot so for example i think icon vault is a great example like icon vault a where like a lot of people do run like choke spammy stuff where it's like may junk rack because you can wall off that little bit but it's also a great map for farah so people just run out farah and you're like we don't have anything that shoots up gg we lose the first point and people are like, well, this is why the counter-swapping thing is great, because then I can go swap to thing. No, no, no. The problem is that you had no access to information that they were going to run a Farah at the start of the game, and you lost the first point for free. That is, in my mind, the fundamental problem that needs to be changed. A whole other tangent of, like, you know, draft system and whatever. But I think that's actually the reason why people sometimes are like, we need the counter-swapping, or we need the ability to swap and stuff. But, like, I think it's a problem in of itself that you can just lose the first point for free if they just happen to run out on a thing that you didn't have an answer to. Custa, you're muted. <laughs> it has the issue as well of um, if they go out Farah for the first point, they win it, and you're like, well, shit, now I need to go hit scan, and then they just switch away from Farah. That's another problem with like the passive uh, DPS passive. I think it's okay for DPS, as I said, but it creates this like weird scenario in which like swapping isn't valuable, but also is valuable, as you said. So I don't know. Like I just think giving everyone thirty percent passive that's something that they should revert. Uh, in my opinion, just straight up, because I think it it is leading to the effect that you were saying, SBB. Mm -hmm. I agree. 100%. Okay, I don't want to keep ranting on this. So is there anything else you guys want to talk about on this like vague area role pass? Because they've been struggling with this DPS role pass as well. There's something to reflect on in this season. Yeah. Any any so okay, Deku, how do you feel about the DPS passive and then the kind of the various changes it's gone through? 
I mean, it's just that, like, you move a little faster right after you get a kill. And you reload faster. And you reload faster. Uh, honestly, it, it hasn't really affected me. I, like, I don't even notice it. So... Well, that's because you're here. I don't even right? know it's like, there. You're locking the window. It's just so. I just, I just find it comical when when it first like was announced. Everyone's like, "Oh my god!" But then when you actually play it, I'm not gonna lie. I don't actually feel it that. Maybe some heroes you feel a little bit, but like Reaper, it's noticeable. You can catch up a little bit, but for the most part, it, it kind of just maybe it's because it's the speed is kind of lost in the sauce with all the Kirikos and Lucios running around already with all that movement speed, so it doesn't feels impactful. But yeah, I just wanted to point. Just a funny interjection there. Don't feel I it. I like it. I'm the same. I never notice it. Sorry. I like it for Ash uh, when she reloads her gun. That's useful. <laughs> but I don't really play like Genji or any of those heroes that like hard dive really. So for me, it doesn't affect me too much. Well, this is the comicalness of it. I suppose it's like it really varies on what you're playing. Because <laughs> I, I know I've spoken to Odd yeah. and he's like, Odd is like, it's a nerf. Because I don't reload faster <laughs> and I move, fa I move faster and I, it's harder to shoot. <laughs> so it's like, that's it's just, yeah, I think it's like one of those things where it's an attempt. I, I, I don't. How do you guys feel? Do you guys think every role needs a role passive? I don't even know if it does. I no, it, like, I, I don't, don't think I don't they if, do. Go ahead, Custer. No, I don't think they do. I agree with you, right? Like, I don't, I don't think they do need a passive. Like, I think the support one was very necessary for the support. The Ironclad one was also very important for the role. But I feel like they're trying to shoehorn one in when DPS, like, the DPS. Is there a hole in DPS as a roster that exists? No. So I don't think you need to give it to them. And if there is a hero, like, you can't come up with a DPS passive that will blanket help every DPS for the exact reason that we talk about, because every DPS is a very different style, right? Like, how do you have one that helps Widowmaker, but also helps Tracer? Like, they're just such different heroes. So, mm -hmm. I don't know. Just, I, I think that they should just remove the, like, the DPS passive, or just leave it. Like, I don't know. I People aren't really talking about it because people probably don't even realize it exists. So mm -hmm. just like leave it at this point and move on with our lives. Well, I think the problem is that it, it, it's creating sneak ner sneak buffs, right? I think the reason like they had to nerf Genji was because he's a huge beneficiary of the, yeah, of the DPS passive. So it's like, the, again, the community is like, you guys killed Genji, but you know the DPS passive is probably playing a part in like what's strong about him, right? And it's like goes under the radar because we don't think about it. I, as I said, it, it's just so I'm so indifferent. You know, screw DPS players. <laughs> if, you've, if you're getting a trend here of I hate tank and DPS players and supports should rise up. Much all, yeah. No, no one can complain about the podcast anymore. I got this like Custer <laughs> just spreading pure propaganda. He wants like half of his <laughs> opponents deleted. Doesn't care about anyone but his own role. There you go, guys. Okay. So any other any other parts on gameplay you guys want to mention? If there's anything you can any burning issues you haven't addressed before we move on to like other aspects of, of Overwatch One Season One or Watch Two Season One. Speak now or forever be silent. Okay. Um okay, let's move over to monetization. A big pain point in certain <laughs> sections of the community, especially again, I think for the more casual players I, I don't i don't i know people have been like the streamers aren't complaining about monetization because they've been bought and paid for by blizzard and i mean custa has been custa's on the blizzard payroll so i don't expect him to uh to criticize his bosses <laughs> but but Jeez, um, there you go but <laughs> i think i think the reason <laughs> i think the reason we don't complain is because we don't care so much generally it's a generalization yeah but I think we don't really care so much about like monetization and like skins and stuff in that sense. We don't, we're not huge consumers of it, but there are people who, who are, who really live for the collection of the skins. 
So uh, I'm going to go to Karku first. Karku, how do you feel generally about the monetization going to free-to-play and the shop prices and the bundles and all that stuff in Overwatch 2? Um, okay, my biggest gripes. Mo free-to-play model, live service game, you need to make money. We all understand that. That's business 101. Um, whether, like, we, we already know. Or I have a feeling the season one was like the first time they they're doing this for this game so they had to kind of test the waters and see what the trade-off is versus like upsetting the people where the price is too high versus the actual people who are buying it and the amount of money it's bringing in it's kind of like when netflix like increased their prices by x amount of dollars they they knew they would lose subscribers but the net gain in the uh like like with that extra whatever four or five dollars per subscription for the people that stayed would outweigh it even along with the negative pr so there's probably it's all data it's all data this whole world it's, it's just everything is driven by data Karki's come to this they are fully this aware they're yeah they are fully aware they're going to upset i would argue the vocal minority it feels like the majority because like that's you know their voices are the loudest right I, 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 like as I, I think they are a little too high for some things, especially the Overwatch One legendary skins. There's no way they should cost more. Don't get me wrong. I'm not like gonna, I'm not gonna, you know, ride their dick the whole time here. I, I fully agree. <laughs> that afraid of the, some of the, the prices are a little mafia. too high. Yeah, some of them are genuinely too high. The old, the old uh, legendary skins were priced the same as the new ones, and some of like. I think it also has to do with the fact that since they used to be free and you take it away, it's different than just like presenting a new game where like there is no history and no comparison to before. And if it was like fresh off that, there would be way less complaints. Um, but because they were once free and then they, they, they put a price tag on it later, instead of at a discounted price, that, that's a problem. Like I think the new... I think the battle pass, first of all, is good value. Ten bucks for like all that stuff is is reasonable. And some wait, of their before we, new before skins, we go further, before we go further, sorry, sorry, sorry. Here's a kind yeah. of question. Okay, w what's wrong with them charging for a skin that might be new to someone who's new to Overwatch Two, and for someone who isn't new to Overwatch Two has had ample opportunity to mm. buy the legendary skin? That's true. Uh, well, that's what I mean. They should have. I think it's because they price that as the even if, if someone's new to the game and they see the skin and they've never owned it before, there's, there's still that underlying thought or history that like other people have acquired it for free in the past. And like, yes, they don't owe them anything. Like, yeah, it's in the past. Too bad for you. Without like, that's that's still gonna like feel like shit for people. You know what I mean? So like, the solution for me was to just have them the old skins discounted. You could still sell them for money. It's business. But like at a discounted price, I think the le an old legendary Overwatch one skin was like nine the same price. It was like nineteen hundred or sixteen hundred coins or something. Yeah, so around you that, can only yeah. you, you can have you have to buy two thousand coins because it's they price it specifically where like the 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 threshold you have to get the higher tier threshold yeah. just to get a single skin. They have to be discounted for the Overwatch one ones, and then that will kind of be the middle ground. You're still going to have people complain, ah, it should be free because it used to be free, and only new skins moving forward should be charged, but just sell them discounted, and you play in the middle there, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I want to chime in. I agree with everything Kagi said. Like, it was well okay. said. Like, it's like, they, Blizzard people are like, why are they so greedy asking for money for their skins? They've never done this before. It's like, this is just how live service game models work. Yes. Like, this is industry standard. Go to any other free-to-play live service multiplayer game. The pricing is pretty on point, all that kind of stuff. 
Um, I agree that old skins should be like, they have these like, oh, 30% discount on this like old skin, but everything's on 30% discount. So just everything is this price, right? So it's like, it's just weird to me that they're charging so much for those ones. I think the new skins, like the Greek ones coming in, yeah, we'll charge 15, 20 bucks for those. That's just how it works. Like, and if you want it, buy it. One of the big issues that I think they're running into as a whole is we've spent the last five years receiving this stuff for technically free, right? Because people don't think about when they bought the game way back when. So we've been receiving these things for free and now they're asking for money. And it, people are used to being able to have access to every skin, but now that's not really, you have to kind of pick and choose your battles of which skins you want and that kind of stuff, which is why I think the price point is such a big complaint because you guys are the same. We played so much Overwatch 1. I have so many legendary skins. Do I really need to spend $20 to buy this other legendary skin that I probably would have got for free last year. So I think they need to break away for that, but it goes back to what we're saying all the time. And, uh, you know, if I can Kaku's favorite word, it's just the data. That's like, this is, they're not marketing to us who have been playing since the beta of 2015, right? They're marketing to the Timmy who just turned on his Xbox, found out that Overwatch 2 is free on the marketplace. <laughs> Fuck yeah, baby. I'm going to download it. Mom, I need your credit card. There's a sk Greek skin for $20. Like, that's who they're marketing to. The real indicator of have they overpriced these skins will come over time if we start yes. to see them reduce it. Because that'll show that them, seeing the data, they've overpriced pointed it. But I think they intentionally started high because it's easier to start high and then bring it down low and feel like the hero, then start at $10 and be like, oh shit, these are selling like hotcakes. They're $20 now. Can you imagine how mad no, they can, yeah. the entire player You cannot go up. You can only go down. That'll build goodwill and look good for you. So they, they start high. Season one is like the, the they just test it out. This is, this is, this is the, the pilot, the right? This is yeah. where they, yeah, exactly. the guinea pig season. And I think that's it. Like that, that, that's just the BL end all. Most people who are complaining, like, super hard about it like i've talked to people who are like this is ridiculous why is blizzard being so greedy that no one's ever done this before i'm like oh well have you seen fortnite and valorant are oh, they like no i don't play those games and i'm like well i don't know how to explain this to you because this is just how everyone does it that it, blizzard isn't reinventing the wheel here they're literally just stealing other people's business model and it's working so you can't argue with it and they're taking the model and it yeah like you said they're not reinventing the wheel and the whole point is you're not, like the, the way the other games do it is like it's designed for you not to buy everything unless you're genuinely a whale. Like you're not supposed to get every new bundle and every new skin that comes out. But I think it just goes back to the point that because they've only played Overwatch and they can only compare it to the past where everything was free. It's the comparison and, and, and what it used to be versus now is what's what's killing it. Like a fresh game. Like if I boot up a new, any new game I download on my phone, anything, they probably have some sort of monetization model in it where you can get extra cosmetics for an extra price point. I genuinely will not buy it. Maybe the one or two, if I really like the game, for the hero, I play. For the new players, for Overwatch 2, like little Timmy is supposed to just buy the new skin for the hero that they actually play. I, I, don't, I barely touch tank or DPS. I'm not going to buy their skins. Yeah. Right now. And I, I, I'm not going to lie. We have so... Us, we've been playing so much Overwatch 1. I'm sure we have so many skins in Overwatch 1. I don't think any of us have ever equipped. Ever. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, that's a cool skin. I'm not going to use it, but it's a cool skin. Yeah. Like, Looks nice. Yeah, All right, cool. Moving on. Like, yeah. And, and, that's, and that's like the big thing that like just 
people just uh, have this unreasonable expectation. And I want to go on this rant. Sorry, SVV. Uh, and sorry, Deku. I, I want to give you a chance in the, in the sun as well. But uh, the people who are like, why did they just not add this content to Overwatch 1 and keep it going? The big thing that I feel like a lot of these people is like Blizzard wasn't making any money on Overwatch 1 in 2020, 2021, because people for the most part had already paid their box price sale and they weren't selling the game for very much anymore. So the reason that they couldn't just keep doing this is and like releasing skins for free, releasing heroes for free, all that kind of stuff is because it's not in Blizzard's best interest to do that because they're not making money. And at the end of the day, you can act like Blizzard is some like Bobby Kotick is the head of this power hungry snake and stuff like that. But this is just businesses make games to make money, not to fulfill your childhood dream of being able to play video games for free and stuff like that. They're trying to make money and this is the best model to make money uh, these days. So if you're just like living in the fantasy world that they should have just given you all this stuff for free, uh, I think that's just unrealistic. Yeah, it's a fine balance you have to walk. And you... You can always, there will always be these new startups that claim like we will always do, live and abide by the players, but like you need funding. And in order to get funding, there's shareholders, there's people that invest. And then there has to be a point where you do have to like, you can push back as hard as you can, but eventually there will be a point. And I feel like any new developer, maybe up, they can, they can hold on for so long. Maybe they really stick to their morals, but they'll never be at the scale of like an IP like Overwatch if they like, you know, don't get funding in a certain way, if that makes any sense. Maybe there and is a game out there that that has done that, but not Blizzard that is a publicly traded company as well. Yeah, it is not exactly. a privately traded company, so therefore they have to answer to shareholders. So they cannot just be they like, "Oh, we're just going to give this thing away for free," because there are people who have invested ridiculous amounts of money who they will have to answer to for saying, "Why did you do this for free?" And yes. Stuff like that. Look at the balance sheet. Like, what 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 are we generating off this? And it sucks that it's profit driven, but. This is the scale Blizzard is at, and they're not going to suddenly downscale just to appease like the over the small minority population of Overwatch. This is not how it works. It sucks, but Deku? I, I don't know what else to say. So I definitely agree with everything you guys said. And for me, like I'm just like I played Overwatch One hardcore. That was like the only game I grinded. I don't really, I didn't really ever play any other free to play games. I tried them, didn't play them, so I didn't really like, you know know about like buying skins and whatever but even though like i was used to you know blizzard giving me all these free skins to a game i already bought i mean i'm pretty okay with them for, for new skins charging what they're charging and everything because i'm not gonna buy all the skins i'm only gonna buy the ones that i play like the widow skin that just came out i got that one immediately but um i mean definitely for like old skins from overwatch one they like you said, they should definitely be discounted at least, because like, yeah, new players, it'll be new skins to them, but like, it's it's an old skin from an old game, so it's like, it's not something new technically, and like I have, like I'll have the, all those skins, but someone who who's new won't have it, and I don't know, yeah. At the end yeah. of the day, these are just cosmetics. These are not core gameplay elements. Yeah, they're not like you're not buying an extra like perk. To play like an extra passive you can just buy people meme about oh. this all the time blizzard's gonna charge and sell you like a new dps passive for a certain yeah. like okay yeah, yeah so, when they, if they do that then i will actually like i think everybody like yeah we'd we'll riot. all bond yeah, together we would riot, we would riot yeah. but this is just skins guys it's just cosmetics I think, yeah i think so like because we've, we've been very like it's the data man and i'm gonna be that in a second as well but like 
I think the reasons there's a core group of people who are very are upset by that very like phenomenon, I suppose, right? They are upset mm-hmm. by that very like, but why does it have to be this way? Why does it have yeah. to be the way that like Blizzard is this game, like Overwatch has turned into this game that's all about profit? Why does it have to be about more player, more player, more player, more money, more money, more money? And that is just the unfortunate truth. Like you may want Overwatch to be like a, a small indie company, um, which like only works for the for the players. And like Jeff Kaplan, God, if Jeff Kaplan was here, he wouldn't allow this to happen. Tough shit, man. Like I'm sorry to tell you, but like the scale that Overwatch is playing at, like. You can't you yes. can't have everything. It's like either Overwatch is a game that has lots of new content and like lots of new stuff happening, and then you get then you get skins for free, or th- then you then you have to pay for skins, or you get a game which is like stale, doesn't have a lot of stuff, but you can get lots of little skins for free because they don't need to keep making more money. They just like make a medium amount of money to sustain themselves, and that's it, right? But unfortunately, the model of like just again to to channel my inner Karki. Yo, what's up, guys? Karki here with another one tip video. <laughs> this is the world now. This is the world now, okay? Like, it's all about maximizing profits, more profits. Because if you have shareholders, you need to show growth. And growth has to come by, like, more increase. Increase, right? It can't just be like, yeah, we were kind of about the same as last year. Because then who's going to invest in that? It's like, no, nah, we need to show that we've been growing. More more players are playing Overwatch. More skins are being sold. So, like, I can totally understand someone, like, venting at the the change in philosophy, the change in ethos of gaming of, like, why does mm-hmm. it have to be this way? And it sucks. Don't get me wrong. I don't want. I don't want to live in a corporate dystopia, but I already do. I already do. Yeah. So like, I accept it in my video games. Karki, go ahead. Yeah, just like the 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 envelope always gets pushed up no matter what because we're always we always want growth and like you can. In order to get to the scale of the, the global scale of the IP of Overwatch, you need a lot of funding. Like, no indie company is going to match. Well, it'll be very difficult. I'm not going to say no one can do it, but it's going to be extremely difficult to get to the scale that Overwatch is if you're limited, if you don't have outside investors to like help fund. You need a lot of resources to make a game as successful as this. And the envelope is pushed everywhere. And like the like you said, the ethos of gaming is always like this data and everything. Why does it have to be this way? I don't have the right answer for you, but maybe it's like human. It's natural for like the playing field to always be elevated if someone well, doesn't like why. this how do you ever compete with this you have to like channel more resources to keep capitalism maybe capital is that well, cap- that's the definition what, of capitalism yeah. I mean, right here's yeah. here's what we know why look look at why when overwatch one was just like loot boxes in a box model that made way less money who was it losing to it was losing to apex legends to valorant all the games that had well, they were losing to overwatch was losing game, it was yeah. losing if you don't if you don't Follow the ETH, like if you don't modernize and keep up, you, you will fall behind. That works on YouTube too. Have you seen the scale? Like these videos that I'm looking at every day, the Mr. Beastification of all this shit, like the bar is so much higher than it was. Every single day, the bar gets higher. And to break in, you have to like pump more resources. People have big teams to find that same level of success because people are used to it. So, like to get for Overwatch to advance, like they needed to switch to live service. This was the right business decision based on like the IP strength and blah, 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 blah. Um, and these are like the, the pricing and micro adjustments, you know, that they have all the numbers behind the scenes. I don't know how much is publicly available. You can see a whole investors report, but it's just like a, a lump sum of everything, right? They're not going to give you like Overwatch made exactly this much money. Like that's too much. Inf- they don't need to reveal that information. It's just like how much did Acti Blizz, how much is their assets worth versus their liabilities? Yeah, it's it's also a thing of like people are like, oh, I love new heroes, I love cinematics, I love all these kind of things. 
shit costs money like blizzard employees are like cream of the crop they are incredible at what they do they are some of the best in the industry and they are expensive to run an entire team that is just enormous that runs out of irvine that all that kind of stuff it's like you can hope that these people would not run on corporate greed and that kind of stuff but at the end of the day and this is something that i want to reinforce to people listening as well as like you can be mad at Activision Blizzard, but you should not be mad at the employees of the company who work incredibly hard and are just as passionate, if not probably more passionate about this game mm-hmm. than you are because they are the ones putting their time, their blood, sweat, and tears through all the noise uh, yes. to make this game possible. And that's important looking forward into the PvE because I hope that thing bangs because that is really like the promised land and the truth of what we're all waiting for, which has probably been the most expensive part of Overwatch 2 that we haven't seen yet. Yeah, and I think they said it's a standalone AAA game. Like, if they had it separately, it's like a the whole pa- PVE package is like, it's a huge thing on its own. So they've said. But yeah, uh, just just reiterate what Custa said. Just that one point, please, everybody, listeners, just distinguish the employees based on like these shareholders are setting the price. Like they have no control over the price they're setting. These artists are working hard for these skins. They're probably upset too that like it's they might think it's a little bit too expensive for the general population too. But it's not up to them. I mean, if it was up to Jeff, you know, I'm sure he pushed back the shareholders, but the shareholders, capitalism, they're they're gonna, they they Jeff's do gone. they yeah he's gone like they he couldn't take it anymore and you know they they do run the sh- they do call the shots the overarching shots but you know we yeah. we, we were on the delete or not, now we're on delete capitalism delete capitalism <laughs> delete capitalism from gaming. We should build our own society, guys. That's what we I'm should, thinking. Yeah. No we should just find our own studio. <laughs> Private no fund. capitalism. We'll, we'll make better games. They don't even know how to make games. No, I mean, like, it, again, it's it's frustrating because, like, again, because, you know, people will be like, well, why can't the shop prices be 10 instead of 20? There's another one that's like, where you, it's like, you're arguing with the science. You know, that's how we felt with the with the competitive system thing where it's like, yeah, but they've done the maths and they know this is how people feel, right? And it's like, they've done the maths and they know what the price point is correct. That's like, you're going to get people to buy it. The one thing I want to I want to slightly like rant on is like I don't get why people get so outraged about it. Like I can get being like, I I can totally get looking at the shop skin and being like twenty dollars for that skin. Nah, fam, I'll pass. Yeah, yeah, I'll pass. Yeah, exactly. I I feel that way right now. I'm like I haven't bought a single fucking Overwatch 2 skin because I'm like twenty dollars. That's a cap. No way. And miss me with that. I'm not paying for that. I can't understand though feeling so moved by it to be like I gotta go to the forums, post a screenshot of this shit. How dare they charge twenty dollars? Like. <laughs> Do you like just just take the same example in the real world? Like, do you walk into Gucci and you're like, "This is a shiny bag. This is a really nice bag." Priced one thousand dollars for this bag? You could run over to the store clerk and be like, "What is this dog shit garbage you're charging me? <laughs> yeah. One thousand? It's doing. just a bag. Yes. It's just a bag. I can get a bag from there for." Yeah, but you don't have to buy. It's a luxury fucking product. You know what you could do? I'll you could look it. at it and be like, "You could be like, oh, that was nice. I'm not gonna buy it though." And then you move the fuck on because that's the real fucking world where it's like it's a luxury product you don't have to buy it and it's like you can be like ah i wish it was 10 10 dollars and i would have bought it okay that's fair but there's no point ranting about it and losing your fucking mind where it's like because they've done the maths and they're like yeah you broke ass bitch with ten dollars you're not the target audience it's, it's <laughs> you're the not guys the target the, demographic it's the 20 yeah, yeah. it's the guys who are paying because for every one of you there's like two you know for every two of you who aren't buying at ten dollars the guy who's buying it at 20. 
And that also keeps the exclusivity of it the same way that like a Gucci would, right? Gucci don't want you to buy their real bags all the time because it keeps the exclusivity up. And it's why they don't push too hard on knockoffs, right? The reason why like luxury brands don't push too hard on like knockoff brands, you know why? Because knockoff brands up their value. Because if everyone's buying fake Gucci, like the, the they get free marketing, but it's easy to tell what the real, like what, it's easy to tell it's the fake shit. So it just like ups their market value for the real bags. So it's like for yeah. if like if you could, if you might be like well if two of us would buy it at ten why sell it to one guy for twenty, because then the skin is exclusive and you don't have it. And when everyone has the yeah. skin, it's boring. Nobody wants it. But when the one guy has a skin and everyone else in the lobby doesn't, now everyone wants it. Now you're looking yeah. at that skin and you're like, damn, that's a another fine variable skin. to it. Yeah, because I the forum the, the 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 forum poster the the complainer will just be like, well if it's if it's from instead of 20 it's 10 and if two people buy it that's the same as the one person buying it at 20 it's like no like there's like you said there's that exclusivity there's so many intangibles for 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 that kind of um for that kind of uh, pricing models or whatever and like you know that person is most likely to buy it again that person who buys that one ten dollar one is like a slow spender they'll buy that one and maybe just like another one later on the one who does 20 might be a consistent 20 dollar buyer non-stop anyways data no I, I, I want to throw one more thing in the ring that hasn't come to fruition yet that will that people haven't really realized yet as well is that we haven't gotten to the point where that skin that you bought is no longer available and we're two years from now and people are like, I mm. missed the boat on this fucking skin. Next oh, time a skin holy. that I like comes out, I'm going to buy that fucking skin because that exists in all these other games and they don't, they open the vault. They'll probably have a vault or something like that at some point where they'll bring back old skins and stuff like that, but it'll be rare and few and far between. So, you know, that Kiriko witch skin, right? was really cool. Maybe they don't release it next Halloween. Maybe that one doesn't come back for Halloween for like two years, three years. And people are like, oh my God, I love that skin, but I missed it because I didn't want to spend the $20 because I was mad and writing about it on the forums. So <laughs> a, a big thing for me is that I didn't care at all. Don't, regardless of how good the quality of the Overwatch skins, I've never cared about a skin in my life in Overwatch 1. I care about skins more in Overwatch 2 when I see someone in the game who has a skin that I saw, that I thought about buying or that I looked at and stuff like that. It's going to be more impactful, the skins that you're wearing in the long term, which will then once again increase the value of exclusivity and that kind of stuff. So that we haven't really seen that come through for Overwatch 2, but it will be a thing. And you can hate that because it's like capitalism greed and like exclusivity and like mm -hmm. gatekeeping a little bit. But that's it's a big thing that really drives sale prices and people are willing to spend more money for a premium piece because they know that if they buy it, they are making an active choice. Uh, to sort of like represent themselves. Oh, that mythic Genji is gonna go hard in like four years. Oh, sure it will. Yeah. Well, oh, one also, more thing. One other thing. Go ahead, Sorry. Go ahead. You guys talk about people like, oh, you know, I, I, if it was ten dollars, I would buy this. There are assholes out there who the battle pass came out. They were gonna finish that battle pass, and they bought all eighty levels off the rip for like two hundred dollars. Like that's who they're like marketing this stuff to is like the people who are willing to spend like off shoot those people who don't show up as well because they, you better believe there are some people who have bought every single skin in that shop so far. The funny thing is though, like you're like we're kind of framing this as like an us feed them. Those guys are funding your game. You get the yeah. game for free. So like those guys who are out here shelling the money, you might be like, oh, that scumbag, he's the one upping the price of my skin. But he's also the one who's giving you the game for free. 
So like, <laughs> what do you want more? Do you want like uh, no game? You want imaginary skins in no game, or do you want the game that like continues to update and give you new heroes, but you can't get all the skins? Because it's it is a oppositional choice. It is one or the other. There is no like thing. Because I saw someone in chat being like, "Oh great, we're encouraging FOMO." Then that's the world we're living in. That's literally the fucking world, dude. Fear of missing out is literally the fucking world. So like. I get being upset at the world, like, I'm all with you, brother, let's bring it down. But we got, we ain't bringing the system down with via Overwatch, dude. Like, you're applying standards to Overwatch that don't exist in the real world. Like, you're being like, Overwatch should do this, while the rest of the, like, again, it's very, very simple maths, right? It's very, very simple maths. It's like, they can either do the thing where they charge $20 of the $10, and in the long term, it makes them 10% more money, or they can, like, do the, do the thing you want, give you the skin for cheaper, for what benefit? Just so that you can have the skin? Mm -hmm. What What is that to them? Like, that, that doesn't... At the end of the day, they need the more money so they can pay their devs to make more stuff. So, like, yeah. what is it that you want? Do you want them to be a company that can afford to pay its employees and then make content in the long term? Or do you want every skin right now in the short term and then eventually the game dwindles and dies again and then we're back to where we were? What do you want? The never-ending cycle. And this is... We've yeah, been yelling... I, we've been yelling about this for months and stuff like that, right? And it's like... The hope is that we get to three years from now and we're still successful, we're still making money and the game's still getting constant updates and then we can look back and be like, remember that time that people didn't want to pay for skins? Like, that's the dream, right? Is that we, like, the game continues on for a really long time because that's the, the, the end goal is that we have a sustainable live service game that can continue to exist. Is it going to be the biggest game in the world? No, right? Like, Overwatch isn't for everyone, but if it can just stay healthy and not get back to the dark ages of like 2021, then that's a success in my eyes. Mm -hmm. Any more thoughts on the on the monetization? Actually, we haven't even talked about like hero paywall because that's like a a slight. That's an interesting one as well. It's a it's yeah. on the same note, but like slightly hero paywall. And so far, we kind of we haven't really felt it yet. It's actually going to come next season because everyone who plays Overwatch One got Kiriko anyways. So technically, the majority of us probably, I don't know, again, I don't know numbers, who many, how many new players. I don't think new players would have cared as much because they're already starting afresh. Certainly for the Overwatch 1 community, we, we got Kiriko, we got Sejur and, and Chunker Queen. But next season, Ramatra's the first season, first year we're going to have to actually battle pass pay or grind for. So like, what's, what, do you, what do you guys feel on, on, on this like group here? Castell, let me uh, go first. Okay, actually, oh yeah, Kark, go you go Kastel. first. You, hey, Kark, you, you go first? You go. Kark, you, you go. go, you go. You chimed in, you go. Oh, okay. Um, technically, it's not a pay, it's a play wall. I think the fact that they put it on the battle pass is a bit deceiving for a lot of people. Um, the fact that it's purchasable outright. I think if they like separated it from the battle pass and just said you need to play like a certain amount of games to unlock it, it wouldn't like psychologically do as much damage for, for like PR and, and, and general sentiment. Like if it was just like... The new hero comes out, you should not be able to play it unless you yourself play like 10 quick play games or something with it or see a game with that hero X amount of times. Just get a certain amount of hours logged so you're familiarizing yourself. But that's not realistic. I'm just saying it's technically not a paywall because a paywall implies that you have to pay to get access. You don't. You just have to play enough uh, in order to get access to the hero. Now, the other problem with this is like the play wall is pretty damn long. I think yeah. uh, 55 on the battle pass, especially if you want it two weeks in ready for comp, uh, getting 55 is, is, is quite steep, even for, you know, for actually 90, I would say 95% of players. Because uh, 
I think even when 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 the two week thing came out, I just hit level sixty, and I play. I'm a, I'm a stream. Like I, this game is my job, and I just hit yeah. sixty. It's fifty five of the hero. Like I, I would assume if you don't spend any money, then yeah, ninety five percent of players will not have that hero ready for comp in two weeks. Um, and that's the problem. I think they have to lower the threshold and take it out of the battle pass, and maybe make it like a just for marketing purposes. It's just purely psychology and marketing. Take it out and just. Have like a certain amount of hours played, and then if you want to fast track and just buy it outright, you can. Counterpoint. That's just my take on it. Counterpoint. Sorry, just before, just just to yeah, go ahead. ahead. Speaking of science and stuff, but then how many people will buy the battle pass if that hero is psychologically tied into the battle pass? That's the thing. Yeah, you can't. I'm trying to like find the middle ground here where you take it out. But then I know the reason why they put in the battle pass was to incentivize battle pass sales. That's right. Um, So maybe the middle ground here is to lower. The threshold for the free one like 55 is a little high they say they calculated the amount of hours put in and the average time but i i think it's a little extreme i think their calculations were off they say they base it on data but what data do you have the season one was your data so if this is your data on how long they probably have the info but season one is also an anomaly because it's a fresh game first season people played more so like i think the data will be a lot more relevant once we have a few more seasons in how long it actually takes an average player who plays x amount based on these challenges and all these factors Data will say it took them 30 hours to, to get full 55, but then the average player plays X. So prob- I'm hoping, wishful thinking, they do lower it. That's all I'm going to say. I don't know what level. Maybe 30, 25, who knows? Yeah, I, I, I agree that, like, that I was going to say as well is like the idea of like they want to put it in the battle pass because they want to get people to buy it. Um, I agree there's too high. I think 30 is like the number that I think people can get to because most people don't even get to 55. Um, yeah, another, that's way over half. Like what? Yeah, that's like, that's like I, I don't know about you guys, but like I buy battle passes of other games and I'm that sucker who I'm like, yeah, I'm going to buy the battle pass of this game. And then I play it for like 10 hours and I'm like, nah, fuck this shit, I'm done. Like I do that yeah. all the time with like Apex yep. and that kind of stuff and Valorant. And like that, they're the people they're trying to get, right? And But I made that choice to like to buy it. I think 30 is the number, especially because it's like a 20% XP boost if you buy the Battle Pass, which I'm not sure if they're calculating in that as well. So I just think it's just way too long. You don't need to force that level of um, requirement. I'm curious to see how it's going to work in the long term as well. Of like, They said that there will be a way to unlock a hero from a previous Battle Pass, but we've never seen what that looks like yet. Um, is that going to be like a challenge, like you're saying, Haku? You said or there like was some challenge. Some... I think. I think. Yeah, yeah I think it's a challenge. It's like play X amount of games. I think. Yeah. So no, no. no. So the way I think, I think it was released. Sorry, I'm just going to clarify. I think it was released Maybe. that basically it's going to work. I think similar to how Valorant contracts work, where basically okay. like, uh, you select like let's say you don't have Kiriko, you would select Kiriko, and then you would just like have to win a certain amount of games or play like a certain amount of games. And as you do, you're going to, you get the chance to play her in like training range or something like you get to play them a little bit. And then whenever you're winning in the regular modes of Overwatch, you're getting like closer to unlocking them. I think. Yeah. All right. That makes sense. Uh, yeah. But like, we haven't seen that yet either. So I'm curious to see what like the long-term effects of like all this like shit is going to be. I don't think it's a big problem that they're behind a battle pass or a play wall or anything like that. Some people are freaking out. Um, but it's it goes back into it's just data, baby. Like if people are more <laughs> likely to buy it if they can play the shiny new thing. So uh, you can't be mad at the game. Deku, how do you feel about this? 
Um, I'm okay with it being on the battle pass. I definitely agree that it's way too high up there for like the free battle pass. Because not everyone plays the game as much as we do, for sure. And um, I don't know, even though like if they lowered it to like how Custa said to like 30, like people will still buy the battle pass together instantly, you know? It's not gonna change like the amount of people who get the battle pass because for the most part, at least for me, I get the battle pass because I want the skins that are on the battle pass. I'm not, yeah. not really for like the character that's on there. It's just a bonus, you know? Because I'm going to grind the game regardless and unlock it anyway. I just want those skins. Yeah, but this is this is one of those funny situations, and I want you to respond to this, Deku. This is one of those funny situations where it's like, we were speaking for the rest of the podcast about how the game is being designed for the guy, for Timmy. I, 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 on a side note, I need to rebrand to Lil Timmy because I'd get so much free PR. But like, <laughs> the game is designed for little Timmy, right? And like little Timmy who barely logs in. And yet this is the one situation where it's the reverse. Where actually the grinders are like, yeah, I'll get to the, the level 55 anyways. But like actually the little Timmy isn't. And that I, I feel like on a marketing level, I'm not saying I want this, but on a market level, is that kind of necessary to like actually the level should be just too high. So you start the season, you're like, am I going to make it to 55 in time? Nah, let me just buy the battle pass, right? I feel like that's almost on purpose that it's like slightly too high to be realistically achieved so that it makes that person go... Because if it was 30, let's say it was 30, like you said, like the person might be like, I can get that. I don't need to buy this. But like if it's just 55, you're like, there's a lot of good skins and maybe I'll never make it. So what do you think, Deku? I still stand by what I said. I mean, I still think people are going to buy the battle pass for the skins most for the most part not because uh they really need to unlock the character because the people that don't play very often aren't gonna care as much about unlocking like a certain hero to to begin with in my opinion so it's a good point that i did like i've never thought about as well like we think about overwatch as a, like you need every hero on the roster but like i play so many other games and like i don't care like i you know i go back and play apex i go back and play like valorant or something like that and i'm like oh there's a new champion i wonder what he does i couldn't give a shit about playing him but like i'm curious on like what he does as well so it's like maybe we it is another one of those situations where it's like the one percent are yelling about it because we're like we've played all these like other 35 heroes like to death so one new thing is just such a shiny new toy for us. Well, it's like a, there's a there's a dichotomy here. There's like a little bit of a paradox here. Because on the one hand, you're right, the casual player may not want to main a new hero, but also I think Overwatch is more tied to its heroes than a Valorant, right? Like, I think mm. you, people identify with heroes a lot more, and they they like the kind of look at like Ramatra's a cool guy. I think he's a cool dude. I think a lot of people think he's like, yo, he's a cool looking dude. So that almost invites you to play him more than I think like a different game. Like, okay, Apex Legends tries to sell you their hero story as well. But they're kind of trying to, like, Overwatch more so, I think, tries to invite you to be like, here's the hero. Like, come come look at this cool guy. Don't you want to be him? So it's like, <laughs> Do you like want to be a part of a resistance? Exactly, <laughs> right? Heroes of Overwatch is, is like all the blog posts, like, start off now and stuff, right? So I feel like there's that weird thing where it's like, you're right. But this is also one, one reason why, like, we got to make sure that, like, counter swapping or counter picking and, and, like, the heroes aren't OP. Because... If you have, let's yeah. say again, you, you, you slot Ramatra into tank world, and what if, like, it turns out that Ramatra is the hard counter to something? Oh, guess what? You don't have the ability to, to swap the hard counter that, like, you know, takes out the guy that needs to be taken out. And now we have a problem. But is that us looking through the high-end lens again? Because any, like, I would say as soon as you get, like, below plat, 
like hero counters don't really matter oh, yeah, as much because people 100%. don't really switch. So it's like it's going back into the thing of like we're talking about like a very small percentage of people that that actually affects of like do you need the entire hero roster from plat and below? Probably not. It's more important than just heroes that you like to play. Yeah, I hundred percent agree with that sentiment. But it is something to to consider as well. Like moving forwards, it's like because yeah. this is gonna this is gonna be something we're gonna hear a lot about because again, I think the high end community. Are, are the, the conspiracy that control the media, right? They control the social media of, of Overwatch in the sense where it's like all the streamers and content creators are going to be affected by it potentially. And we are going to start seeing the, ah, oh, well, my tank didn't have Ramatra, GG. All right, we're going yeah. to start We're gonna start seeing that. So it's something for them to think about. Car Q? No, that's, that's correct. Like, um, the people always echo what the... The, the the streamers and the content creators say too and it, i think it is a high high level problem like high high end angle high end lens and it doesn't matter in the lower ranks uh i had a thought but like i kind of lost it so i was like i was i was ready to say it but then i got back sidetracked hold on let me think but what, what was the topic we just what, what did we just talk about just before this i had something to add but i forgot now the level um, of the battle pass like how how what time you get it and just oh, being out i actually of i wanted to add to the point where you said like they they put it just high enough where it's unattainable, I think that is 100% true. Yeah. I think it's 100% true. They do that deliberately. But to this make is you feel like it's impossible, to, yeah, right? Yeah, to make you, to incentivize you to spend. But And again, I think um, people are... Go ahead, go ahead, finish your point. Oh, no, but uh, I, I'm with Deku in terms of, like, I only buy it for the skin, but then you also have to put it in the shoes of little Timmy. Like, it is out of reach. They might prioritize the hero unlock more so than others. And it's also, this game is not Valorant, Apex, League of Legends, where you lock in your hero at the selection screen. So there is more value to having all the heroes available to swap at any time within your role um, for that reason. And like maybe people can go back and be like, you're not allowed to play ranked until you have all the heroes in the role you're queuing for. Like if the next two heroes are DPS and tanks, hypothetically speaking, I'm only queuing support. I don't have to like unlock them as a higher price. I, I don't, I'm not as incentivized to do it, but if I'm allowed to like, if I play two years later and two supports came out, and I want to play support. Then I like click the support, do the challenge, click the other support, do the challenge, unlock them both. Then I'll go queue support. I think Anyways, the, other thing yeah. that, uh, the other thing that adds yeah. to this as well, like I think Overwatch, the hero release is more core to the game than it is in other equivalent games. I think yeah. like obviously, yeah, obviously yeah. like Apex will launch a new season with a new hero. But usually there's also huge amounts of other stuff going on. So they'll they'll rotate a new map. They'll make a bunch of changes to the guns, right? And like new guns are legendary, blah, 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 blah. So even if you like have no, like even if you have no interest in that hero, you come back for all the other stuff. I feel like with Overwatch, it's the opposite. Mm. It's like the new hero is the thing that brings you to the game. Because obviously sometimes the new hero changes the core experience of the game, right? Where yes. it's like yeah. now the new hero makes this, now how, this is how we play the game now. So again, it's like, it is like much more core to Overwatch to have the new hero. Which, again, people would be like, well, this is why the hero should be available for more people. Because I think a lot of people listening to this podcast will be like, these guys are such fucking shills, dude. All the time, they're like, yeah, the data, the money, the money, the money. I'm used to it, man, at this point. Everyone, yeah. like, everyone loves to, like, act like we, you know, especially, like, you know, uh, the Overwatch League people get slammed for this a lot. It's like, obviously, we get paid by Activision Blizzard. Not really, because we're kind of, like, subcontractors to the side. So it's not like we're getting paid directly. But, like, it's just... I don't know how to explain it to them in a way of like this is just the way it works and like that that's the frustrating thing when people say that I'm you're just like selling out or you don't care because like you know you have enough money to buy it and stuff like that it's just like I I this is in my opinion the best way forward to have a healthy game and that's the most important thing for me right like 
at the end of the day, this game is my livelihood. So it's like I would want to do everything in my best interest to make it as successful as possible. Yeah, and again, like advocating for for something that was objectively bad just for short term gains, which is pretty much your standard corporate greed. But that would like shoot ourselves in the foot, right? It's like it yeah. would eventually cost you your job if Overwatch League. Yeah, like it was a it was a dark time and as i said 2020 2021 for like my job of like we're losing viewership everything's crashing to the ground like that's not good for me like even if you know like we're getting paid in the short term like that's not good for me like oh shit maybe i need to find a new job and stuff like that right like that's a it's a big deal mm -hmm. so okay deku any thoughts on the monetization of stuff we've mentioned or like the hero stuff i think this is the best route they can go because I want the game to always be updated and always have new content. So I think this is this is the right path. But obviously, you know, there are some kinks to work out, but I think this is good for the game. Fair. Karku, anything else on, on this not topic before we move on? I'm good. You good? Okay. So let's then, you know, gearing towards the end, I think, I think it'll be our final topic, but let's talk actual, like, other content that's been released. So obviously we had uh the season the like seasonal event uh the halloween wrath of the bride um so this is going to be like a thing now more more going forwards right like we're going to have these like mini events i think next season is jam-packed we've got like this limited time greek event there's like the winter wonderland have you guys consumed a lot of it have you been excited by it like do you think it's like got a lot of potential or is it like whatever i'll go to deku first i think this is really good for the casual players because it it takes them away from like you know just five v five and grinding and grinding the game. It's it brings something new like I guess for every season or whatever, and it gives them something something to gr something new to grind for, and it's like a new a, a new fun experience for them. It's, it's you know we had a, like a huge drought and it was like even for me I was like wow this is actually really cool. All these uh all these new things they're adding. I'm like this is awesome. I hope they do that more in the future. And um, I think it's, I, I, I hope um, they keep doing it because I think it's really fun. After a while, obviously me, personally, I just like, I'm a comp head. I like to grind comp. So I'll play it for a couple of times. I'll play it with my friends. It's a, it's a great game mode to play with your friends. And then after that, I'll just be like, oh, that was cool. And I'll just keep grinding comp anyway. But I think it's really good for new players. And I think they should keep doing it for sure. Yeah, I, I think it it feels a pretty good niche in the community. Like I liked Wrath of the Bride. I think it was definitely an evolution on the PVE that they've done in the past. Some of them have been incredibly stale. Um, but I think this one had like a storyline. There were challenges. There were things to play for. There was reasons to replay it like a little bit. If you're expecting like a Halloween event, you to be able to sink like 20 hours into it. I think you have unrealistic expectations of what these like mini events are supposed to be. Uh, they're just supposed to be a fun thing that you do with your friends for like an hour or two and stuff like that. Uh, I will say, I was hoping that we would get some form of look into maybe what the PvE will look like, and I hope that is not it. It, it was very short, like obviously it was probably patched together quite quickly, and like it was, it was cool, but I expect the PvE to be of a grander scale and cooler with a lot of other things on top of that. So if that is what we get when we get the PvE and it's just like, 30 of those missions i won't be excited but uh i think it's definitely a step in the right direction it felt a bit like go ahead go ahead Karku. oh no i like i think the replayability is something they'll tackle in the real pve 
Yeah. I'm not sure if they want to gamify it a bit more, like MMO style, where like there's a chance that the the, the Sombra at the end can drop the weapon charm where it's like 1 in 20 or 1 in 50 and it's like if you play it on legendary the the odds go up to like 1 in 10 or something. I mean, I'm okay with that cuz I love MMOs and shit, but <laughs> um that's probably something they'll tackle in the PvE. I just wanted to point that out that I I was hoping they would do something like that to give me more reason to play it over and over again other than just grinding for a leaderboard spot but for anybody else. If you can get the, you know how there's like a pumpkin charm for doing the achievement, what if you get like a like a glowing blue pumpkin for some reason, just by chance. And everybody everybody in the whole raid or raid, everybody in the whole group would, would get yeah. it if like, you know, you got the drop rate or something like that, or you hit the drop rate. Blizzard yeah, so then it becomes a thing of like finishing notes. it fast, right? Yeah, it's like, you know, there's different factors that maybe could increase the, the drop rate. I don't know, if you finish it under this, like the rate goes up. If you finish it, if you beat it on yeah. Legendary, the rate goes up. Little things like that. If you hit a certain score threshold, it increase your odds. I don't know if that's like a thing that people are against in terms of gamifying. I, listen, I play RuneScape. I do shit for like one in two thousand, one in five thousand odds all the time. So yeah, like, same. I play. I play WoW, right? Like, so yeah. uh, maybe we're not Mount the people drops. to ask for this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. But again, if that's like if that's the industry standard, then like you know, you got to expect some element of it. Of course, people are gonna be like, well, why can't they reinvent the wheel every time? Why can't they do it the Blizzard way? But then we also yelled at them for always like being obstinate and not just taking a very clear and easy successful route and doing it the blizzard way so like you know we can't have our cake and eat it too we can't beat them with both ends of the stick right so yeah i think that would be, that would be great I, I i i played it like twice i thought there was a couple funny lines in there but like that was about the extent of it it was like oh, it felt like it was something that they let three devs make or something like because I, I played uh, a workshop mode that, that that had done before in overwatch one i played this workshop mode that like some workshop creators had made uh, where they took the Junkenstein like Halloween icon vault and they made like a little PVE story where you could like interact with certain boxes and they would like read out certain lines. It was really cool actually, it was really fun and I, I had a good time. I think we played on Halloween, I played it with like Lemon Kiwi and Leg Day and we like voiced all the, the characters and it was good fun, like it was, it was a good fun. It felt like that, it felt like where it was like some four people's passion project and yeah. it wasn't like mm. highly, pr it, was, it didn't feel to me like it was here's a look at the PVE. Cause, I don't think it was, but if it was, if it, if it is, then we're doomed. Like yeah. we should quit. We're doomed right if that's now. it. But I, yeah, I think yeah. we temper our expectation. These are L LTMs. That's it. Just yeah. a tiny little taste of it. And that's what. If every season they add a little LTM, it freshens it up for the casuals. I think that's healthy. That's fine. But this, please don't be the full PVE experience. No. Yeah. And again, if you look at other games like an Apex, like they do this fucking train thing. They just bring it around every like season or whatever, right? Like the the fight on the train. I don't even know what it's called. But like they have like that little train thing. It's the same thing. Like they're doing what Overwatch used to do, where it's like it's literally just the same thing with like one small twist. Oh yeah, you fight for the train now, but now the train has one carriage less. Oh okay. <laughs> oh <laughs> shit! Content. Shit! The two content. <laughs> so like it is pretty standard because obviously they don't. You know, not everyone can keep churning out ten new pieces of content in ten different forms. But you know, let's see. Deku, you were gonna say something. Um. No? I forgot. You forgot. No, Did I don't you, think I was gonna say anything. Do you have anything to add on like that that note? Um, I mean, no. I think, I think it, it's fine. Like, no, everything's good. I think. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Well, uh, let's let's look at let's do some quick fire chat questions now because this is something I've been trying to incorporate more in the podcast. So there's a channel in my oh, Discord shit. server chat. called Group Up Questions. 
So rather than ping me on Twitch chat or ping me in the general server of my Discord, there's a whole channel now where you can submit all your questions and not bug the crap out of me. So we're going to quickly rattle through them as, as like uh, efficiently as we can. So I'm just going to read them out. If you have any gut instincts on these guys, just chime in. Don't, don't, need, don't need to wait for me. Just throw your opinion in. And uh, unless it demands some deep introspection, we can just like run through it. Um, so the question is, do you think the seemingly minor nurse for Sojourn in Season 2 is an after effect of the balance team not changing Sojourn in the mid-season balance patch and being afraid to nerf her too bad because supposedly in the lower ranks she's bad? Do you think it's like? Do you think the nerfs are like an after of thought of the of like the failed mid season patch? No. I think Custer's muted. Go ahead. Yeah, Custer, you muted again. I think they've always been looking to uh, nerf Sojin. Like I don't think th they never said no. We think Sojin is fine. I think that it is more of a case of they need to change her more than just like a couple of numbers. And I think that's the thing that they're like changing the numbers isn't going to solve her. They need to like kind of changed the way she functions with a couple of things. So I think that they left her because they didn't want to, like, just overdo it in the middle of a season patch. And there were so many issues with the mid-season patch already on top of that. So I, I, I think people... Obviously, she's just been so oppressive at the high end that I think it's been blown out of proportion a little bit how strong she is. Um, but I don't think there was ever a situation of, like, them being like, oh, maybe Sojin's fine. I think I still think they're too. I think they're data driven, which is also like a, a problem as well in itself. Where if they just stare at the data, then it'll tell them that there's no issue at the lower ends, and then maybe at the higher ends, that's only when the issue comes in, right? So, um, I think they they because it didn't affect the majority of players. I swear to you, they they live by their data, and if because it didn't bother the lower population, they it was like not a priority. But like I'm sure they they knew it was a problem at high, so they had to think. Just like Costa said, beyond just tweaking some numbers, again, you have to figure out a way to adjust the ceiling without touching the floor or not affecting the floor. And that's what they're probably uh, figuring out. So I don't think it was a result of the midseason patch. No, it was always on their mind, but just not as prioritized. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. I guess it, uh, it just took them time to, to, to find like the right adjustments or whatever. And dropping it like in the midseason would have probably caused more issues, you know? Yeah, we, we discussed one shot, so I'm not going to ask that question. I'm going to direct this one to Deku. Do you think we should have different tournament streamers with like with streamers like Twitch Rivals during the OWL offseason? I have a feeling this could help maintain viewership besides just adding drops. I think that would be fun, for sure. That, that would be cool. I've never yeah. participated in any like Twitch Rivals thing, but that would be awesome. Custa, how do you feel I think it's it? a, I, th I think it's a good way to get... Uh, you could... You, They've done it a little bit in the past of like, it's a good way to get big streamers from Overwatch to play with other big streamers from other pieces of content. And then also Twitch Rivals as a whole has an audience that watch any game almost at this point, especially when you have other big people coming in. So I, I definitely think it's the right direction for them to go in. Um, they just like, obviously if Overwatch is going to run these kind of things, uh, they need to be careful. Cause like I, I watched the uh, Summit Timmy one and I heard oh. that, yeah, it was, that was not close. Uh, from the bits mm -hmm. and pieces that I saw, which is like a big problem when you have a lot of eyes coming in, uh, and it like makes the game look bad if the competition is so one-sided in a lot of ways. If that makes sense. I think that's one department where they need to be more cognizant of the community. Like they can do the whole data-driven approach to the rest of the game, but when you're trying to actively go with like this is to engage the community, 
you can't like you can't be like boomer boomer man in suit decides that these these two <laughs> teams are fair right like you gotta get some like more someone who understands a bit better to like decide what events are done and how they're done because like that honestly does probably more damage than good like when you do that yeah. when you host this tournament and then you balance the teams this badly more people are gonna look at that and be like lol i'm not playing that game then they're you're gonna probably hurt your brand more than you benefited it right yeah. So, like, I feel like the resources need to go in the right direction. Like, I'm all for that, but they need to make sure they're doing it correctly. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. uh, okay, should there be a limit? Because uh, basically the question is, with queue times, the longer the queue time is going, the more it's widening the range of people who could be put in the lobby. Do you think there should be, like, a hard limit to, like, how far that stretches? Like, how far the lobby should stretch to before it finds a queue? This is like a never-ending conversation, and I've actually heard people who say, I would rather wait in queue for longer to get a balanced game. And then they've sat in a queue for a really long time, and they're like, oh, this game sucks. Like, it's never putting me in a game. Like, it's a pretty hard balance because there is, it's going to take time. And there's like, the people who are complaining about this the most, who are waiting in queues, is like, the 4600 DPS person who's like dueling with another 4600 player is like, I don't know where you expect them to put you, right? Like there's no, <laughs> like there might not be two other 4600 players playing the game right now. So, and then the games that they do get, because they're such good players, they get placed with like diamond players because that's the only way the matchmaker can balance it against them. Um, and then they complain about that. So it's like a vicious cycle. I don't know if that happens at low ranks where you get like stupidly high cues. But, like, what's the what's the kind of cues that, like, you've got in SVB? Because you've been climbing, like, is it, like, Masters? Is it okay? It's gotten real bad now. I got to Master 1, and also because I play on EU, it was, like, 20 minutes. Yeah. Yeah, that's... Mm. Yeah, and that's a problem, right? Like, as soon as you go over 10 minutes, I think that's a problem. Um, it was fine. Especially like, It was fine in Diamond. It was fine when I was in Diamond. The higher I got in Master, it started, like, it just couldn't. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, that, that, that's sort of my take on that that whole thing is like there there's not a perfect balance people are going to complain regardless of which side you go mm -hmm. okay uh okay there's a, there's a lot of questions and we don't have that much time left i don't i don't want to keep these guys forever so i'm going to skip over even some good questions because they're probably going to be too lengthy uh okay okay Questions on May and Sombra. Do you guys have any thoughts on like May or Sombra? Because I, I had Fitzy for the rank gauntlet, and he, those were his two hero pools. Like, man, was he miserable. He was not having a good time. Um, so like, there's a couple of outlier heroes like at the moment. To be honest, like Symmetra is another one of them. Like, do you think that some heroes should will always be like outliers, or, or like, is there some way to make them feel better? I think I it's think just the design. nature. Go ahead. The nature. Yeah. Of, oh, I think it's just the nature of their playstyle. I guess. It's not Agreed. as flashy, you know? It's not as straight to the point. You have to play differently, and it's it's, it's balanced differently. I don't know. Yeah, when you're, uh, when you're, like, playing... Like, those heroes by kit and by design are just a product of... Or, or are going to be subject to, like how, like, how to meta... Like, when you're playing builders, like Torb, Sim, is May even a builder? I mean, you build a wall, sure. But, um... <laughs> <laughs> like that playstyle is just Should, so different. They're always going to be outliers, in my opinion, just by the nature of their kit. And um, they either like they're literally one buff or one tweak away from being super annoying or super oppressive or like not not useful at all. 
um yeah. like may was really i mean i honestly i think they've done a pretty good job over the years like if you guys remember season one or season two torbid sim like oh my god <laughs> yeah like it was unplayable on attack for a lot of those but like they're they have their place now they have their niche and i think these are always going to be niche heroes unfortunately um, i i also think that if you buff them out of nicheness Yes, that, those yep. are the worst times in history. If you ask players, like, what are some of the worst times in history that they played the game? Sombra metas, May metas, all that kind of stuff. Because as much as people can say they're fun to play for them, they are not to fun to play with or against. Uh, and that's fundamentally, I think, their problem. Because Blizzard can't buff those heroes to a place in which they get played consistently because people will just complain. <laughs> Fair. Okay. Me Deku, one of any, them. Anything to add on that? Uh, no, no. Good. Okay. Well, then I think I'm going to move... That. Thanks for the questions, chat. Sorry, we can't get to all of them because we're going to run out of time. So I'm just going to move to our concluding thoughts. What are you looking forward to in Season 2? Like, in, in particularly with the lens of, like, what you want them to maybe change or learn from Season 1? What are you kind of hoping to come... Obviously, we know Ramatra and New Map and stuff, but what are you hoping they'll maybe change or, or grow from? I'm going to go to Custa first. Looking forward to not having Sojin in my game. Hopefully every time I'm looking forward to not having Roadhog because Ramatra is going to come in. I'm looking forward to being a support player because that means my queues are going to be really short. Good luck tank players. Um, and I just, I'm just, I'm looking forward to getting our first taste of a nine week shakeup uh, and like content cycle and sort of seeing how that feels and how many people come back and if people enjoy it. Very nice. Okay. Car queue. Same thing. Just kind of see, this is our first season. Um, I think the interest did wane down the last two weeks, myself included. Like, I've finished, like, after seven week seven, I'm like, okay, I'm good. All right, I'm ready for the next set. And this is like, it's, it doesn't feel too long. Like, I feel like it's already been two months. Like, I blinked and it's already over. Um, so I'm excited to see how this first cycle goes. Uh, and they just, I'm just excited for them to keep on iterating. And I want them to do a little bit more aggressive nerfing rather than buffing. When you nerf something, something else rises without even having to touch them. You have to be careful when you nerf something and you buff other stuff or other things to compensate, then that becomes a bit too lopsided. Um, I'm trying to think of an example right now, but you know what I'm saying. Like Sometimes mm -hmm. when they like nerf a certain thing and they try to like give it power back in a different way, actually sometimes I don't think they need to do that for that hero specifically. And again, other heroes, they just become way too good as a product of that. Um, well, it's happened yeah. with Brig a couple times, right? Where they're like, we're going to nerf yeah, Brig, yeah, but we're yeah. going to up her self-healing or something. And then it's like, oh, actually, she's still fine. <laughs> yes. Yes. They don't need to, like, yeah, shift power necessarily sometimes at all. Mm -hmm. that's, that's my thing. More aggressive nerfs, I suppose. And then just see what happens to the other heroes and have more than one mid-balance cycle. If you're going to do that, like, maybe two every three weeks. Week three... Week six, and then it's a nine-week season, right? Yeah. Yeah. That'd be good. Yeah. So we get two in the middle of the season, and then one end of the season, right? as opposed to one and one. Mm -hmm. Okay. Deku, round us off. Um, I definitely agree with uh, more changes, like Karkiv said. I'm definitely looking forward to not having Sojourn every game, and uh, not having the enemy team have Sojourn every game. Definitely hope Roadhog is not meta anymore, for sure. And um, can't wait for them to bring Havana back. <laughs> uh. <laughs> well, I, I, I do like that they're bringing other maps back, for sure. It'll be refreshing. But, yeah. 
Please bring her. But then they're taking stuff away, though. To, to, uh. yeah, what are I we losing? Like That's annoying. I Gibraltar forgot what we're losing. Gibraltar. And... I can't remember the other map that's going. Yeah, Hollywood, Hollywood, which is a good map, man. Hollywood's oh, Hollywood, a good map. Yeah, 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 fuck man, Gibraltar. Like fuck Gibraltar, but we can keep Hollywood. No, fuck I Gibraltar. Like, yeah, I like yeah, Gibraltar. Yeah. New Gibraltar looks good. I like Gibraltar as well. I'm getting a, a real theme from you, Deku, on maps that you like. Anywhere Basically, that Widow is viable, all <laughs> of a sudden, I'll get well, the, the, the theme is Deku just has awful takes when it comes to maps and food. That's that's how it is. Oh, okay, okay. okay. <laughs> that's how it is. But yeah, anything else then, Deku? Other than no. Havana return, no? No, please return Havana. Okay, okay, <laughs> fair. Uh, I think for me, yeah, I mean, it's hard to say. I, I feel almost like, you know, like my mood swings are like day to day. I'm like the different things. But I mean, I'm, I'm looking forward to Ramatra, so I'm happy with that. I think they, it's odd because I feel like we're in a place now where like six months from now, Overwatch will be a great game, but we're like the, te like the test subjects and it's like very painful. There's a lot of pain points. Mm -hmm. like with the matchmaker and with certain elements of the balance and like the shop or whatever like there's a lot of pain points so i'm just hoping to kind of learn and grow quickly because it's it's been it's been a mix of like beautifully enjoyable and pain miserably painful like at times playing Overwatch 2 season one so i i want less of the pain and more of the beauty right i want the matchmaker to be better i want them to iterate on the rank system to be like a bit more engaging for everyone right for the grinders as well as the casual players uh, I kind of, yeah, I just want them like balance stuff a little bit quicker, communicate a little bit better because some of the communication again, like has just been not quite there. Um, so I guess I'm just looking forward to the trajectory of growth. Like I, I, I'm trying to be forgiving and say, okay, these mistakes are allowed. It's a new season. It's an early access game, but there's only so long because next season is like, I feel like next season is quite make or break for the PVP because the PVE yeah. will come. And it will deliver, I'm sure. I'm pretty confident that the PvE will be good. But the problem is that, from what they've told us, it's not going to be like the end-all be-all, right? It's not like they're going to release the entire PvE campaign in one one drop. It's going to be also tied to seasonal releases. So it's only going to have so much oomph. And the, the PvP has kind of had its release now. And next time is the last time we get a, a new hero for a while. Like this season coming up. After that, we don't have another hero for two seasons, which means that like if people aren't interested, if people aren't having fun, they're not going to come back for season three. Certainly not for long and not significantly. So like there might be a bit of a drought for from now till season four if like if this yeah, new season hero three good. is the biggest test then with with an, only a new map versus a hero because like this coming season two we get the hero and the map and the next season it's just just map right. So mm -hmm. I think so yeah. from what we know. So like that's the real test. So that's why I think they have to be really quick to respond to these things because like if you let's say you, you get it right in season three, you might not even see an up boost because like people don't barely will care and, and come. And obviously, again, if you keep a really long term picture, well, maybe when they come back for PvE, but like how many times can you alienate an audience, right? It's like we did that once with Overwatch 1 and now people have come back for Overwatch 2. How many times can you keep pissing people off before they stop coming back, even if it's for new shiny things? So, yeah, I hope that they learn their lessons quickly and I want it to be a good game and I don't want to have to complain about it but I will <laughs> until I <laughs> until I get what I want because I'm, I'm spoiled comes with the job mm -hmm. and on that note we're going to peace out here guys thank you so much to these guys for joining me I really appreciate their time again exclamation mark before any of their names if you want to follow more about them go show them some love please do follow them on all available platforms that you may and give them your prime sub um, but other than that guys anything else to add before I let you get going Oh, thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks for having, thank me. for having me. Thanks, guys, thank so, so much. much. Really appreciate your time. Uh, enjoy every, your rest of your day, guys. Peace out.